If you want to get to heaven, got a D-I-E, you got to put on your coat and T-I-E. If you want to hear from Ben and S-T-E-V-E, got to listen to the podcast. It's dead and lovely, dead and lovely. Hell yes. You okay with that one? Yeah, that was, yes. So I that's mean, that's my take on Waymore's Blues. It was, hey. By Waylon Jennings. If takes uh, can be hot or cold... <laughs> That one was hot. That one was smoking. That was a hot fucking thing. <laughs> so I do this thing a lot of times with people and my students and stuff where I'm like, mm-hmm. what have you been listening to? Mm-hmm. And typically the answer is a very band specific mm-hmm. thing or yeah. maybe even genre specific. It's like, oh, right. I've been listening to rap or whatever. I, li- I usually just listen to single songs at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I get hyper obsessive about one thing or another and I'll just listen to like over that song over. only. Yeah. Uh-huh. For like several days. I listen to G chords. Oh, just the G chord? Yeah. Out there's your G chord. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, lately, that that particular obsessive song for me has been Waymore's Blues by Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Which is the shit. That song's yeah, fucking great awesome. Song. Waylon Jennings. And awesome. then last week, my obsession was Girl School by Britney Fox. Girl School. Uh huh. I went you, made me, you, you made me listen to it last week. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is great. And I understand why you're it's obsessed fantastic. with it. Yeah. I probably listened to it at least like 20 times in like two days. Yeah, no, that makes at sense. At least. It's a real funny song. It was just making sense to me, dude. It does. It was just making sense. I want to. school. <laughs> My baby broke all the rules. It's like the trashiest. If you, if you listeners have not ever listened to Girl School by Britney Fox, I implore you to do so. It is like the trashiest, stupidest. Mm hmm. Like ACDC plus hair metal song ever? Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect example. I ACDC so, plus hair metal. I so but, badly want to add it into the Skate Banger set list. I don't know how many awesome. people would know it. That would be awesome. But now I you're don't know. Uh, in Skate Banger, the drummer does the ACDC song. Correct. Singing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stacy Blade. Uh huh. He does the great ACDC style vocal, uh-huh. so I'm just dying to hear him sing that one, dude. <laughs> that might be like a Davy's birthday present song or something like that, you know? Stacy, could I ask you for one thing for my birthday? <laughs> Make it very special for me. <laughs> we played ourselves a pretty rip-roaring show the other night, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah I, I thought Hall. about coming, but uh, I, my wife and I were... Uh, we went to see Infinity War a second time. Yeah! Oh, no, she didn't come with me. What? What? No, not even true. A fake twist. news, fake news. <laughs> You're fake news. Yeah, the first time I, I saw it with my wife. Second time I saw it with my friend Brian. Yeah, old Flying Brian. Mm-hmm. Flying Brian. He's a good guy. I like that guy. He is awesome. Um, more Avengers in, in a moment. Yeah, we'll talk about that. In a moment. Bit. We did debut some new material. Oh, really? Banger. Yeah, we added what did you do? the final countdown. Yep. No, no keyboards, all guitars. Oh shit! It was That's a lot better. of fun. It was a lot I, of fun. I'll go ahead and say it probably sounded better. We uh we hit up some love in an elevator. Love in an elevator. Yeah. Now here's the thing about that song. When's the last time you listened to that song? It's been a little while. You remember the verses of them going whoa oh yeah, uh-huh. and you remember the chorus obviously. Uh-huh. Do you remember how in the middle of the song there's like five minutes of like rambling jam bullshit? No. Exactly. <laughs> the whole song, dude, it's like, seriously, you get like two solid verses and choruses. Is it that? Is that? It's just bullshit. Yeah, like, okay, there's just now all it's this coming back to the mind. Middle. And then there's Holy like a little, shit. there's like this riffy thing, and mm-hmm. then it cuts out just randomly to Steven Tyler going, Elevator. Elevator. 
and then it just jams more. Going Ugh. down. We uh we definitely hacked ours up yeah, off of good that. Call. It's like this is like the radio edit that should have been the actual <laughs> version of the song, you know. So I think it I think it actually it went over really really well. And awesome. as per one Steve Spratling's suggestion, smoking in the boys' room. Correct, Amundo. Fuck yeah. Correct, Amundo. That is like the, that's like the metal hair metal song I think of. And I I don't know why we weren't playing it before. I like, also think, uh, and this is I guess post hair metal. Okay. When you start thinking about damn Yankees, mm. but uh, Uncle Tom's cap. Oh, Warrant. That's Warrant. Oh, Warrant. Uncle Tom's I love cabin. that yeah. song, dude. I know a secret down in Uncle Tom's cabin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that song has a badass guitar solo and stuff yeah. in it too. I really like that song a lot. It's a good one. I really wish that we could add in like a bunch of extreme, but it's like I don't. Yeah, that would I don't be know how many awesome. people know that stuff. I mean, other than more than words. Yeah, but it's like I want to play like Decadence Dance and Little Jack Horny and Play with Me and all this stuff. Yeah, I noticed you guys didn't do a lot of ballads. No, we want to keep the party. Yeah, going. yeah, because otherwise, yeah, it would yeah. Be- I want to do something where, like, we start off. Maybe even Davy Stranger starts off playing like "Every Rose Has Its Thorns" or something. Uh, and then you kick it to something else. Yeah, or I mean, play that song, but like as if it was a hair metal rock song and not a ballad. Okay. You know, so, throw some pep into it. Yeah. So imagine mm. if like "Every Rose" sounded like "Talk Dirty to Me." Okay. You know, I thought about doing stuff like that because we just want to keep the mood up. And yeah, like going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Everybody's it's a fun time. Yeah, so it was it was good. I've had a good, busy, fun week. What have you been up to, man? Um, not a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Um, been hanging out with some some friends, doing some bro hangs. Um, other than that, just relaxing with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, starts a new job soon. Tight. So we've just been doing. Uh, Doing whatever we can to enjoy the time where we're both just sort of open. I like that. We have a little bit of time to hang out with each other. I like that very much, man. Now, last time we did our last episode, I had seen The Avenger and you had not. Ah, I have now seen it twice. I saw it my twice time today. I saw it for the second time today. Good call. Um... For our listeners, we're not going to get reviewy or spoilery about no, it until no. probably next episode, I think. Yeah, we should talk about it a little bit next Yeah, because by sure. then it'll have been out like a month or something. And yeah. If you haven't seen it, fuck you. Yeah, by that point, go to hell. Go Although to hell. we will include a spoiler warning. Because <laughs> <laughs> what sort of dick yeah. wouldn't... So overall, just though, first impressions, did you like it? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It's I thought awesome. it was great. I uh, They did what everybody thought was going to be impossible, yeah. which was bring all of these like strong characters together literally makes, strong yeah literally strong yes <laughs> many of them have muscles uh, but that make all these stories work together I like I mean this I, this isn't spoilery sure 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 because if you've seen Thor Ragnarok you already know that yeah. Thor gets picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy right and that's already a cool crossover for me oh yeah totally. so I like the way they you know separate these different storylines and bring together people who haven't necessarily been together yeah and and you know bring that all together that's that's like my favorite part of the movie and that's yeah. what I was expecting going into is just seeing these characters meet each other and mm-hmm. be like who the fuck are you yeah like, you know I've never heard of you yeah uh, we're the guardians of the galaxy you're what <laughs> yeah we've had you're two s- movies you haven't star heard of us? Who? what are you talking about the humor in the movie is fucking great it is it's real good and it's like uh, you said that's they- uh, no, sorry sorry well it's also got uh thanos is a real strong villain phenomenal Absolutely real phenomenal. good like deep 
villain. Like, yes. there's depth to his story. Yep. And you feel... I don't know, man. It's like, I, I love the way that they changed his storyline from the comic book. Yes. You know, in the comic book, he is yeah. trying to court death. Yeah, exactly. Lady death. Yeah. Exactly. Which is like, don't get me wrong, it's fucking sick. Yeah, no, it's a cool story. It's super metal. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, that's nothing really anybody can relate to. You just see that and you're like, oh, bad guy stuff. Uh-huh. But Thanos' whole motivation behind why he wants to nuke half of the universe. Yeah. It's like, you can't even really say he's wrong. It's like... Yeah, and, and the thing about they it give is, give him too, a more believable motivation, yeah. for sure, than just I want to have sex with death. Who yeah, is a hot exactly. Lady. Or I want to rule the world because I'm evil. Period. Yeah, like I, I think it's so amazing that, and, and I don't know too, man. Like I really love that the way they chose to play it. It's not like he's like fucking, you know, like rubbing his hands together, going like, "Yes, my plan." Yes. Yeah. No, he's he's got like, he wrestled layers. with doing it himself. Yeah, too. he's got layers to him for sure. Yeah, and, and we learn enough about him to be like. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't hate you. I know, right? Like, it's I like that's get, the thing. I kind of get what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and I love how he even wrestles with it, where he's like, yeah. He he says he's like, this is a hard choice to make. Yeah. But somebody has to do it. Yeah. So incredible, man. And I yeah. think he's the most charismatic CGI character. Since oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's just Josh Brolin. Like yeah. when you get down to most of the shots. It's his face. Like, yeah. It's not the CGI making him. It's Josh Brolin motion capture yeah. really doing it. Like, you don't see a, a lot of great motion capture work outside no. of... Uh, um, Weta Workshop and stuff. Oh, and, uh, you know, uh, God damn it. They, what's his name who plays... Uh, oh, Andy Gollum. Circus. Andy Circus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by the way, just uh, this week I watched War for the Planet yeah. of the Apes with Isn't Andy Serkis. good? Yeah, it's great. I, I love the Planet of the Apes movies. Like I've liked them, too, and it's like... That's not really on my list of things I would expect that I would enjoy. Well, I've grow, enjoyed them, man. Growing up, I was a big fan of the old Planet of the Apes movies, like because yep. they just seemed because like they they deal with a dystopia, which was always interesting to me as a, a youngin, and they also deal with like uh, what consciousness means yeah. and like what it means to be human, and like that just twisted my brain when I was little. Yeah, and so dude. like. Um, watching the the newer ones, the James Franco one, and mm-hmm. then um, the second one, I don't remember the that name. The second of. one was tied. It was dude. real good. It was tied. Yeah, yeah. The CGI Cobra. and that was unbelievable. Having the villain uh, be one of the other apes for yeah. the second one was really good. And real this, this third one was real good. I really enjoyed, like, because it, it does deal a lot with, like, what it means to be a smart primate, to yeah. be on the level of humans, mm-hmm. and, and what that means for your responsibility to the world and stuff yeah. is really cool. I liked it. I like those those weird ethical quandaries that you get in um, when you're dealing with stuff like that. Like one mm-hmm. of those one of those kind of like questions I've had forever that I think could make like great fodder for a movie or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, for, for our religious listeners, they might chime in on this. <laughs> but to me, it's like, if you're a religious person, especially a Christian, and you believe in evolution, right? Uh-huh. Who was the first ape slash man born with a soul? Yeah. Like, what was the crossover yeah, where, where it's where like, is... you know, like this this thing's parents yeah. were soulless, but then they had a child that had an immortal soul. And what about other... In- What's the crossover? What about other intelligent primate species that died out? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did they have souls, but they just didn't make it? Like, I think it's really interesting. And it's like, I've had all these cool ideas about like, because, you know, 
every, everything evolves slowly over time through evolution yeah. or adaptation, as you want to call it. And I think most of it is due to certain uh, environmental um, processes, struggles, and so yeah, on. Yeah, that is what made Homo sapiens Homo sapiens, is yeah. that they lived near water and were able to eat a lot of fish. Yeah. Get a lot of omega-3 fatty acids and things. Which exactly. their brains process higher yeah. level uh, thought. But it's like every generation has these thoughts, in, maybe even in the core of their DNA, saying, my children need to be able to deal with this environmental pressure, so mm-hmm. they should start not having tails. You know what I mean? It's, it's stuff <laughs> like that. I wonder if there's like some point along the lines where it was like, somehow like this this strain of apes were starting to evolve and they're like we need a way to live after death we need a way to become immortal <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah and it actually like evolved us an immortal soul yeah i think it's just fascinating to think about that kind of shit you know what i mean i i, I who's think the first like, one yeah like i i know i think that the thought on the level of of the soul yeah I think it's lower than we give it credit for. I think mm. humans think of it as like spirituality and things are real high level thinking. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually very low. Wow. And I think I sometimes see my dog thinking about existence. <laughs> and like you can just sort of see it in animals sometimes. Yeah. It's like, what is all this? Yeah. Like, really? What's going on here? Yeah. I don't think it's a high level of thinking. I think it's a very low level of thinking where you're like, you Think about your own thought. Yeah. And you're just like, wait, what? Feedback loop. <laughs> wait, why am I able to do this? Damn. Dude. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think it's a high level of thought. So I, I think that, um, I don't know. I think we've probably had that uh, impulse uh, because you, you will see it in, in primates and things where yeah. they, they seem to have reverence for certain things. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they they uh, they associate value to actions and things because of the way it made them feel, mm-hmm. which is kind of what spiritual and religious thinking is. Is sure. that the certain things make you feel a certain way? So if a thing makes you feel good, but there's not like a tangible uh, element to it that mm-hmm. you can be like, that's why it made me feel good. It must be God. Yeah, God yeah. made me feel good about this. Right. it's a good thing to do. Uh, the best way to streamline that kind of thinking of is, uh, I can't explain it, therefore I can't explain it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It kind of I can't explain features. it, so it must be unexplainable. Yeah, which means I just explained it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I also watched a far less deep and intriguing movie. Uh-huh. The other night I watched Cabin Fever. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty similar. It's got some deep philosophical oh, issues. Oh, definitely, like, man. How smoking is Ryder Strong's bowl? Dude, Ryder Sands' bowl is not Ryder to it's me. It's not. It's not. But, I mean, you know, he's he's fine in that movie. He's not yeah. a problem in that movie at all. And the gore effect's not a problem in that movie. You know what? That's the thing about it. It's, it's honestly, this is the first time I've ever watched it. Uh-huh. I know, like, everybody else has seen it a million times, yeah. but I'd never seen it before. Um... I will say it had some pretty effective and mm-hmm. pretty gross gore sequences it and did. stuff in there. Like yeah. all that you have to say in our, our Facebook group is talking about it. That shaving scene, dude, when the chick's in the bathtub shaving uh-huh. her legs. Yeah. Holy shit, it's disgusting. It is. It's fucking disgusting. Man. Somebody in our Facebook group said it was Eli Roth's best movie. I agree. I tend to agree. Yeah. yeah. I really can't. And that's kind of sad, I guess. It's sad, yeah. <laughs> it's like if that's the, the peak. Yeah. Okay. His right. first movie was his best. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not great, but honestly, it's like it was. It was a fun enough watch. I'd like to do it on the show sometime. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like a pure. 
that's a pure horror movie. Like that, it's yeah. just going for that. Uh, you already know how horror movies work. Let's just see some some gross stuff and some deaths. I understood. You've been watching some gross stuff with some big old sweaty oily men razzling Hell around. Yes, lately. I have, man. I um, <laughs> tell me about that. Um, just <clears throat> taking a break the other day, and I was like, um, just. I thought, you know what? I'd like to watch some 80s wrestling. Yes. So I went on YouTube, and I just put in... I wanted to watch some WCW wrestling. Old school trash. Man, and you know what? You can find so much on YouTube. First yes. off, WWE already has a ton of like clips from old school NWA, WCW, ECW up really? for free. You can watch full matches and stuff. Not full pay-per-views, but you can watch okay. full matches. That's tight. Um, but also, other people have uploaded stuff and one of the first things i watched was an nwa um uh pay-per-view well not even pay-per-view it was it was on uh tbs it oh was shit, shown yeah. on tbs on ted turner's um, jam old ted turner's jam and the person who uploaded it it was it was from a vhs recording off of the tv so it looked sick it looked great and <laughs> so he, the guy whoever did it he included some of the commercials one of those commercials being a 1-900 line for to talk to the ladies of glow <laughs> the gorgeous ladies of wrestling fabulous moolah and all uh, them yeah way so, sick but like man i'll tell you what one thing i learned 1980s wrestling yes NWO slash WCW. Yeah. Or NWA slash WCW. Way better than, than WWF. Do you think? A really? Million times better. The wrestling was better. There was some technical wrestling better. in those things. Their wrestling yeah. was so much better. It was Interesting. Less, less about the promos and less about the, the drama and the storylines yeah. and more about just big sweaty hossmen. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing each, each other, other around. Yeah, one of the first things I saw was the Midnight Express versus the Fantastic. <laughs> and Who's these in the are Midnight ju- Express? Midnight Express. Oh God, I don't even remember. Yeah, uh, I remember the name. I can't remember what yeah. they look like or anything. They're big dudes. Okay. And the other group was also big dudes. Big dudes. But like, they were just going at each other so hard. Yeah. Like it seemed like they hated each other. Mm-hmm. Real good technical wrestling. Yeah. But just like aggressive. Tight. I really liked it. But then I started, I just was like, I know what I really want to see is WCW cruiserweight division. Because that yeah, was seriously totally. the best wrestling throughout the, the 90s. What'd you catch? Anything good? Um, <laughs> yes. Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> oh, yeah, I never dude. recognized it back in the day. I always thought, yeah, he's good. Yeah. I never recognized he's seriously one of the best wrestlers It's of been all so time. long since I watched him. He's so fucking amazing. Is like he? He's so good at being a heel. He's so good at selling. Yeah. He's so good at putting other people over. Yeah. And also being a, an amazing, proficient technical wrestler. He's big for his size. Yeah. But still able to do so like agile. a lot of like, yeah, a lot of agile stuff. So I watched one specifically. It was him uh, versus Rey Mysterio. Okay. Uh, he was the cruiserweight champ. And it was a championship belt versus mask. Okay, so if he tight. won, Rey Mysterio would have to remove the mask. mask. Okay. Um, and I like you could tell first off that it wasn't one of those matches that they had talked about a lot beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So like they were improving throughout. Killing. And at one point, Rey Mysterio, this was seriously one of my favorite things. I've seen in a long time. Rey Mysterio, uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero is on the outside of the ring. Rey mm-hmm. Mysterio jumps off the top rope, 
uh, flying head scissors. Yeah. A reverses direction into a hurricane rana onto the 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 ground. Dude, it looked amazing. I have I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It is like the most flawless hurricane yeah. rana of like, all time. How do you do that? Yep. It's and funny. It, it's funny you mentioned that. Like I just saw like a gif of that floating around the other day. It's so good. And I was like, that's the most goddamn perfect hurricane uh, rana I've ever seen. It's um, flawless. The other thing I saw that really proved to me Eddie Guerrero was amazing was I watched Eddie Guerrero versus Edge in a ladder match. Oh shit. Well, it was actually just a no disqualification match, but they pulled out ladders and um at one point uh they're on either side of the ladder they're on the third rung down from the top yeah and edge was probably six inches taller than eddie guerrero yeah, edge yeah is pretty huge big dude. yeah uh eddie guerrero jumped forward doing a front flip and as he came around grabbed edge's hips and power bombed him off of the the ladder and it was one <laughs> smooth motion just like what in the Holy fuck? Shit. And that was like 15 minutes into the match. So like they're, they're tired exhausted. of shit. Yeah, I um, gotta see that. Man. Yeah, you gotta. Check I have it. to and that, see that's that. That's on WWE, by the way. That, wow. Like, so their YouTube channel is pretty great. Man, they're they're giving away the good stuff. I also watched a bunch of RVD and like oh, the man. Hardy Boys and stuff. I just Dude, started the Hardy watching, Boys had some rad. Yeah, shit. I started watching like the tables, ladders, and chairs matches. TLCs, from the yeah, man. Dude, those 90s, TLC matches. So good. Legendary, man. Yeah. Dude, I don't know why. I I really just had that desire to watch that stuff and watching it again was just like man like we were spoiled in the 90s like yeah the, so much talent so much talent like so much charisma dude ridiculous yeah. just ridiculous anyway and you know the thing is though is as a kid i always definitely favored wwf as yeah it me was too. Back then to wcw because it's like the production value is much better. Mm-hmm. It looked better. Like yeah. it, and I know it's so lame, but it's like to me, even as a kid, I was like, "Well, the lighting is better, yeah. brighter colors." Like, even the wrestlers, like Ultimate Warrior and guys like that, like the colors and everything were just so big. I think yeah. I liked it because it's like WWF was more like a comic book. It was, and yeah, like the there'd be like those huge build-up storylines, totally. and everybody was gigantic. And you had like fucking supernatural characters like Undertaker yeah. and shit like this. It's like I think that's what really attracted me as a kid is that it was brighter, more colorful, more like a comic book. Mm-hmm. But really, there's a lot of those you know quote unquote classic '80s WWF matches that are legendary. They're that terrible. are terrible yeah. matches. Just Hogan versus horrible. Andre the Giant. Horrible that was match. A terrible. A lot of the match. a lot of the Hogan Warrior or Hogan Macho oh, yeah. Man matches. Uh, Warrior horrible. wasn't a good wrestler. <laughs> no, huh? No. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like He's incredible, but it's like yeah. the actual matches themselves, not really that Real technical and stuff. And, yeah. yeah, but you're right. If you go back and you watch some of that that WCW stuff, obviously the technique and everything yeah. was, was there. It's kind of like as a kid, I liked Marvel more than DC. Yeah. Again, brighter, bigger characters, more colorful, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But then it's like if you look at a lot of the DC stuff, it's DC's like got better stories and yeah, stuff. Are just a lot sick. of real deep characters and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of parallels between a lot of those things right there. Yeah, that's tight. I would love to go down that rabbit hole. I've got a couple of buddies that have that. Um, you know, like the uh, the channel. streaming channel. Yeah. yeah. And you have access to literally everything. Yeah, you can watch all the pay-per-views and stuff. So cool. I, I would almost be like option paralysis with that, where it's like, where do I even fucking start? Yeah, that would be a tough one. Because I would want to start at the beginning, but yeah. then like, ugh, a lot of that shit in the beginning is going to be real bad. Probably pretty rough, man. Yeah, I've wa- I watched WrestleMania 2 
not long ago. Just watched the whole thing through. I think it's like almost four hours. Jeez, yeah. And um, man, it's it's tough to watch. Yeah, yeah. Time. There's a lot of those parts where again, you know, ten minutes into the match, these guys are just like hugging each other and just uh-huh. like laying down and well, catching yeah, that a breath. Was the and... thing is Vince was going for huge bodybuilder types, and those dudes were not running or riding bikes or anything. No, they uh-huh. were, they the were endurance was not there. Huge muscle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, the, a lot of those weren't great matches. Anyway. What'd you just uh, pour us in these cups here, Steve? I poured us a little um, George Dickel number 12. George Dickel number I'm 12. I'm always advocating it. It's a great... Uh, Great cheap Tennessee whiskey. It smells to me mm. like uh, cherries, vanilla, and uh, being awesome. Yeah, I think it does. It's I can smell the, being, the awesome. being awesome in there. That's truly a delight. Let's just take a little, little sippy sip and find out here. Yeah. A little corny on the end. I mm. like it. But it's, it's quite nice and very smooth. It is smooth, yeah. Surprisingly smooth. I would say that Dickel number 12 is superior to Mama number 5. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, we already know it's seven up, so. That's true. You got a good point right there. <laughs> you know, we watched something last week. We recorded our Descent episode oh, yeah. last week, and uh, we liked that movie so much, and we enjoyed talking about it so much that actually after we finished the episode, me and old uh, Dollywood Steve here were like, you know what? Let's consume intoxicants and watch The Descent Part 2. We did. We did both of those things. And it was a fun time. Not because the movie was good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's terrible. That movie's fucking awful. It was real bad. It took all of the things that make the first one great and yeah. said, let's get rid of that bullshit. I don't understand it. I mean, it's seriously like somebody that just did not even fucking remotely understand the appeal of the original. Mm. It was just like, well, I guess I'll make a movie. And people are like, yeah, I guess you will. Here's money. <laughs> It's one of those things, dude, where it's like, dude, you, you and I talk so way. much about these ideas we have for just yeah. easy sequels. Mm-hmm. Easy, dude. Easy. But but we don't have people throwing money at us. Yeah. And I know that we could do a better job than some of this bullshit, dude. Descent well, 2 is fucking horrible. The Descent 2 should not have begun immediately after. It should have been, no. uh, you know, year after. They tried to like Halloween, after. Halloween yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. That, they tried exactly that. Yeah. She Later wakes that up night. in the hospital, etc. But, like, yeah, they should have given it some time. Uh, she should have, you know, been going back for a particular reason. It should have... I mean, the first one is a uh, psychological movie more than anything. And yeah. the second one is just a, a jump scare spectacular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With and showing the creatures just constantly. And it's not even remotely scary in the yeah. least. Oh, like, and the, there's no dark cave no. lighting either. Like, they're uh-uh. in a cave, but it's it's bright. Like. Beautifully, brightly mm-hmm. lit the whole fucking time. It's stupid. Don't waste your time. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, kind of bummed me out that homegirl from the first and was like in this second one. Actually, a couple of girls yeah. were in both. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I would have fucking turned that down, man. Descent 1 is really tight. Descent 2 is yeah. fucking horrible. Real bad. Well, today we're going to be talking about a movie that is not real bad. It's real good. It is real good. We're going to be talking about The Babadook, Uh which is one that our listeners have been requesting that we do for a very long time, and we thought that we would do it in honor of it being Mother's Day Day, the week that this comes out. Because this is a perfect movie to remind you to call your mother and apologize I'm telling you, dude. Like, seriously. Like, I know. Like, I can watch this fucking kid in this movie and be like... I probably was not too far off from that. I wasn't. I know I wasn't. I mean, um, I I know, like, I used to have tantrums in, in stores and shit. Oh, yeah, I was, same. I would be totally irrational about shit. Just yeah. a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, 
my oh man uh, i don't want to get too deep into it but uh my uh mom and dad separated when i was four yeah because my dad was abusive yeah and um at one point i remember uh I, I, I think I was five at this point. I said to my mom, you're the reason why I can't see my dad. Dude, that, that's something like this kid does yeah. in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'm Just so like, stoked that our parents didn't murder us, dude. Uh, me too. I know my mom was close to it a lot of times. And like a lot of what happens in this movie reminds me of my mom at points. Just right, like right. She is at the end of her rope. My mom had migraine well. headaches too. Yeah. Like... She had something called Arnold Chiari malformation, which is basically is when you get a, a hernia in your your cerebellum. Holy shit! Where like part of your fucking brain stems. Part of your out? brain starts. Uh, 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 that can happen. Yeah, it starts like, like pushing on your brain stem, Holy which causes some shit. problems. Yeah. So Whoa. she would get these migraine headaches and like, and then be around shitty kids. Then be around this little shit. My Ugh. my sister, by the way, was a goddamn angel, uh, but I was a, a shit. And then like, I got my first migraine headache when I was, Ooh. say, twenty six or twenty seven, mm-hmm. and I realized, like, experiencing it, I was like. Oh my Jesus God. My mom had to deal with me while having this. Right, dude. Yeah. Th- that's the thing, man. It's funny because it's like the older that I get, and of course, uh, I don't have kids. You don't have kids. No. Um, but the older that I get, the more I realize it's like, man, because I see, you know, I see my friends having kids and they're constantly fucking wiping their asses and blowing their nose and fucking mm. doing everything for them. I can handle all that. It's not for me. But then, like, the thing is, is, like, they reach that age where they're, you know, five to seven, and they're just fucking little shithead maniacs like the kid in this movie. And then you keep providing for them, caring for them, feeding them every meal that they've ever had, Mm -hmm. and then they get to being teenagers, and they decide to hate you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're fucking welcome. Like, dude, if I was a parent and I had... Like, dude, I, I, I have a hard enough time where, like, I've worked with some student of mine for, like, you know, five or eight Mm -hmm. years... And, like, they do something that's, like, maybe kind of shitty. Yeah. Like, I get pissed off enough at that. It's like, dude, we've known each other this long. And they're like, I like, they yeah. don't have any frame of reference no, for huh. what that means. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's like, dude, it's like, if I raise some little shit mm-hmm. and, I mean, seriously, like, wipe their fucking ass every time mm-hmm. they took a shit for yeah. years and then fed them every meal that they've ever had mm-hmm. and bought them every fucking stitch of clothing they wore. And then they have the insulin. They're just so insolent to me and are little shits to me mm-hmm. and the teenagers. I would go nuclear, man. Yeah. I don't know how our parents didn't murder us. I know that I was a shithead when I was a teenager yeah. and stuff. Kind of late teens more than anything. And I know I was a fucking weirdo when I was a kid, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know those parts of this movie where the kid is like, he's on the playground and he's doing like fucking punches and kicks. And yeah, I used to do that shit out in the I yard all the time. Yeah. And it's like, my parents had to just be like our entire neighborhood things that were nuts. Cause we got this fucking weird bowl cut kid. <laughs> I hear just punching and kicking with his like, floppy hair. Just yeah, punching and kicking. Yeah, like what? Uh, it just had to be awful, dude. Yeah. Um, I also was like, I was very aggressive. I, really? I mean, I had ADD and uh, developed an anxiety disorder mm-hmm. due to uh, the, the crazy home life. Yeah. Um. So like, there were reasons why I was the way I was. Yeah, yeah. But mm, it doesn't change anything like you know like um you you can have a child who has uh emotional problems and know what those emotional problems are 
doesn't mean that they're not there and right. you're not dealing with them all the time which right. makes you want it to stop sure like i don't want to deal with this today just today i don't want to have to deal with this and you don't have the opportunity to just not deal with it i know i'd, I'd seriously just like to put a big old thanks out to mm-hmm. our moms <laughs> For fucking dealing with this shit, because like I know, and it's kind of like you were saying a second ago. It's like I can I can watch this movie and see shades of my own mom. Yeah. Um, uh, again, this is probably way too much information for the podcast. Uh, my, my mom, I'm sure, has wrestled with depression her whole life. Yeah. Um, as have I, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that more as we go along with the show too. But it's like I can just imagine her being in a low spot, like mm-hmm. I know I am when I'm in a low spot. Yeah. And dealing with a fucking crazy bulk-headed kid and my older brother who's a maniac uh-huh oh my god my older brother was just such a fucking maniac when he mm-hmm. was a kid i just like to give a big old shout out thanks to our parents for not fucking murdering us <laughs> seriously my god man oh my god my well, mom pu- has punched me in the face twice <laughs> one time you think i you deserved it one time i definitely deserved it <laughs> i probably could have been punched in the face a few um, more times the other time i didn't deserve it yeah but if i had the information she had i i i can see from her perspective yeah i probably deserved it yeah but she was wrong she just didn't know she was wrong i gotcha i gotcha <laughs> yes well one of the main topics of this movie is of course the book called mr baba duke which is a crazy pretty yeah. pretty damn it, fucked up kids amazingly book. elaborate kids book that yeah. is yeah it's it's fucked up shows up on a on a bookshelf and quickly does not become this child's favorite reading material. No. <laughs> he's, so, <laughs> he's sobbing into his mother's vagina. It does not get good to him. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I did. I did just, notice that. He's just like in her womb yeah. sobbing. Yeah, which is totally. Totally. Perfect. Uh, he, he's he got some real issues. Oh my God, dude. She's got issues too. Her yep. issues I understand. His I understand from a theoretical perspective, but I just, I can't relate to him well. Just so irritating. He is. He is. But, I mean, so, basically what happens is she is uh, going to give birth to him. Her husband's driving the car. It's raining. They get hit, T-boned. The husband dies, and then she gives birth to this kid. Yeah. And then here we are, seven years later. She is still, obviously, the reeling from her husband's death oh yeah uh she the one of the main issues at hand is that she doesn't talk about her husband with her son so he doesn't know his dad at all he has to like sort of seek out information about his dad by digging through old stuff yeah that they have yeah and she she's just not into talking about it she's shut down emotionally Yeah. yeah and they deal with some some crazy madness that starts after they receive this, this yeah. children's book. So before we get into our review portion of the movie, I want to spend a little bit of time here mm-hmm. and maybe talk about some of the stuff that we read when we were kinder Hell children, Steve. Yes. I, I read a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. I assume did you did you read a good bit? I did. Yeah. And it's like as you know, as most of you guys know, I was homeschooled and stuff, so it's like I didn't really have a lot of friends. Which means lots of free time, which means lots to of read. time to read. Or play video games. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and also too, even before that, like I just generally wasn't interested in a lot of the same things that I think a lot of other kids were. I, ne- yeah. I never played sports. Like in our generation. Yeah. It was you know, sports or Yeah, if you're born in the early to mid eighties, 
it's like yeah everybody fucking played soccer baseball football yeah. basketball and I, I I've always hated sports I've never yeah. been into them at all uh, and so I had a lot of I think I had a lot of time to myself I would say an unusual amount of time to myself mm-hmm. as a kid which did involve quite a lot of, of reading now whenever I, I ask you about what some of your favorite mm-hmm. things to read when you were a kid were what some of the books and stuff that made a big impression on you that you might remember fondly or not fondly okay well the first and I think most important book in my entire life, uh, always and forever, will be There is a Monster at the End of This Book. Oh! Do you know this one? Yeah, with fucking uh, Grover. Grover, yes. Mm-hmm. Kate and I were talking about that earlier today. It's seriously one of the best children's books awesome. of all time. Uh, it's also, uh, they have an app. It's really? like the book, but it's more interactive. Uh, and I, I own it. <laughs> I own and possess it on my phone. It's, that is so rad. It is something that I, I've written. I wrote a paper about it in a, a child's literature class I had in grad school. Rad. Um, the thing about There's a Monster at the end of this book that I just really hit me when I was a kid and yeah. still hits me is that the monster throughout the book is Grover. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to prevent you from getting to the end of the book because he's scared of the monster. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out to be him. Okay. So the It's kind of like high tension. Exactly. It's like <laughs> high tension. No, so the book is about how uh, we're always hiding from ourselves. Yeah. The thing that we fear the most about ourselves. Wow. But when you get down to what that is. That is who you are. Yeah. That monster that you're afraid of, the thing you don't want to come out or everybody to know. Yeah. That's who you are. That's you at your deepest when you break through all the walls. Wow. Holy shit. Pretty fucking big for a kid's book. Exactly. Yeah. And the book is basically just you breaking through the walls he's building to try to keep you from finding out what's at the end. And then when he gets to the end... It's this like triumphant thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm the monster at the end of the book." That's not scary at all. Yeah, I feel like, dude, it's stuff like that where you you see stuff like that and read stuff like that and even watch a lot of the programming and movies that we watched when we were kids versus stuff that's coming out now for kids. Yeah, what? I really feel like a lot of filmmakers and stuff like that were giving kids a lot more credit. Than they do now, as far know. as like I mean, understanding deep things and so on. I think if you look at some of the shows that are aimed at kids, like uh, Gumball or Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends or, yeah, or yeah. whatever, those are those pretty are good deeper. too. Yeah, yeah, I watched some Peppa Pig with my niece last week. How was that? It's fun. Is it? It's pretty <laughs> fun. Never, I gotta never say, seen Peppa Pig. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I did not mind it at all. I think a lot of what kids are getting these days though is coming from YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're totally. not they're not getting as much of the exposure to uh well written, well conceived yeah. shows. Yeah, a lot also, of Also there used to be a mandate before the Bill Clinton era for shows to be educational. Yeah, that too. Yeah, so that had a lot to do with it. I remember though when we were kids, of course there were all the like Sesame Street books and stuff like you're talking about, and there were also like Muppet books. Like I remember I got yeah. one in my uh-huh. Easter basket one year. I was probably like seven, maybe and it was um, 
It was like an Egyptian Muppets book. Oh. And it had like Kermit on the front as like King Tut. Uh-huh. And it had uh, Miss Piggy, I think it was Nefertiti or somebody. Uh-huh. It was so fucking rad, man. That is awesome. It was really cool. We used to do a lot of that kind of stuff as kids. Did, did you ever get into a Dr. Seuss when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. What's your Dr. Seuss jam? Yeah, dude. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the fucking weird thing about Dr. Seuss and me. Okay. As a kid, I absolutely loved Dr. Seuss. Uh-huh. But there aren't really that many specific books or anything that I think I really liked. Okay, like, for example, mm-hmm. I've never really liked the Grinch Stole Christmas cartoon. Even as really? a kid, I didn't like it. Oh, no. I, that, it's very odd. Like, I don't yeah. even understand it. And it's like, I never really remember reading, like, Cat in the Hat uh-huh. or anything like that. I, I think as a kid, I had um, One Fish, Two Fish. I was going to say, that's the one that I remember loving. That was a jam. Yeah. And I had Green Eggs and Ham. Uh-huh. But but honestly, like, my favorite Seuss memory mm-hmm. that, like, I think is the book that made the most impact on me, there was this activity book that I got when I was maybe, fuck, six or something like this for Christmas. And it was like a big rectangular oversized activity book that flipped like vertically. Like instead mm-hmm. of left to right, it flipped up to down. And it was all this stuff where it was like, um, and you know, as, as a kid, I got into like drawing and stuff mm-hmm. when I was like three or something, writing, on, you know, drawing monsters on like prayer cards during church because I was bored. Yeah. You know, it's one of my first memories, period. Uh, but in this Dr. Seuss activity book, it was a lot of stuff where like he would have drawn half the picture and then you draw the other half mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's a lot of like generic like word searches and stuff like that yeah. but it was a lot of stuff about like exploring drawing yeah, yeah. And, and artistically like what would you add to this or uh-huh. you finish the picture and stuff like that it's one of my favorite things I still have it and that's like one of my most favorite Dr. Seuss memories is that actually it's not even Dude, a book that's awesome it was fucking rad it really yeah. did make a huge obviously a huge impact on me as a kid, for what sure. do you know about Dr. Seuss as a person? Uh, I think he, I think he cheated on his woman a bunch. Didn't like Jews either. Yeah. yeah. Is that the deal? Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, he did write some anti-Hitler stuff afterwards. But See, he I, some, I remember he seeing also some had of those some, uh, anti-Jewish e- stuff before. I- yeah. Yikes! What was your Seuss jam? Um, I really loved uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Yeah. Um, I think I just liked. The pictures mostly. I know. That the illustrations really are just it. wonderful. And the colors. Yeah, the colors were great. Kate always liked that. Um, when I, what's it called? When I'm 100 years old or 102 uh-huh. years old or something like that. Yeah. That's actually a pretty dope one, too. I don't yeah. remember reading it as a kid, but she showed it to me later on. I was like, yeah, this is way sick. Um, my wife has an amazing collection of children's books. Yeah. Like, just so much stuff uh stuff that like when i look through it i'm just like i don't know <laughs> like wow. i've never even seen these deep books. cuts deep cuts yeah. <laughs> um another like you know we, we'd have to talk about marie sendak yeah Where the wild things are is, that's probably yeah, that like, was always my jam i would go back biggest, to that constantly dude probably my biggest yeah you know childhood jam is marie sendak stuff yeah. for sure yeah yeah where the wild things are dude we had the book my mom would read me the book all yeah. the time and the, the illustrations were and are still so beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful illustrations. And then we also, and I actually, I have it upstairs in my dresser. We had the cassette. Oh. That was like the book on tape. Okay. And we listened to that all the time, as well as like um, uh, Chicken Soup with Rice. Uh-huh. 
and Pierre, I don't care. Uh-huh. Do you remember those? Yes. Oh man, we used to listen to those on like the audio tape all the time and stuff. But the books, like the Marie Sendak stuff, made such a gigantic impact. Did on you me. ever read In the Night Kitchen? In the Night Kitchen. Which one was that? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a naked little boy and he's flying through the air. Most no. Of the time. Oh, okay. What about um? Did you ever have the one about the monster that delivers the mail? No, dude. That's like that's the illustrations in that are probably even sicker than Wild Things. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's about this little like hairy monster creature uh-huh. guy that like delivers the mail all these places, and he hits all these like obstacles and stuff. Uh-huh. And one of them is the uh, the Typhoonigator. Okay. Which is like a huge typhoon above the water that has like the face of an alligator in the sky and shit. Yeah. The illustrations in it are just fucking nuts. They're so cool, man. And, and dude, it's like, that's why, because that stuff is so special to me. Uh-huh. Man, whenever I saw that Where the Wild Things Are movie, I felt like my childhood had been murdered. Um, Whenever, okay, so uh, my senior year of college, yeah. I first read um, Herman Melville's Pierre or The Ambiguities, which is, I think, one of the best... Uh, dark comic takes on gothic novels. Yeah, what are you talking about? It's an amazing book, but there is a version of it with Marie Sendak illustrations. Marie Sendak loved that book. So that's Herman Melville. Uh huh. That must be what I what I read and listened to then. Oh no, he I think he also did just Pierre, based off care. of Pierre or the ambiguities. He he did Pierre. I that's care. where that came from. Yeah. Oh, he, but I he didn't know did that. illustrations just for the the book for a, a later edition that came That's out. That's cool. I didn't know that. And it's amazing. Like, um, it, it was like this merging of like, uh, the the thing I was going into with this highly intellectual curiosity about, and then I discover there's a Marie Sendak illustrated version, and the little kid in me went, "What? Oh, damn!" Cool. I remember we had a copy of um, Jack Tar that was uh, illustrated by Marie Sendak too. Awesome. Never read the book, but I looked at the pictures. Yeah, of course. Did you ever see the? Um, I probably talked about this around Christmas. The Marie Sendak Nutcracker production. Uh uh-uh. Fucking unbelievable. That's like one of my most adored Christmas traditions. He he designed like all the set and costumes and so on for this production of the Nutcracker. This with like the I don't know Russian ballet company or something yeah. like this. So fucking beautiful. Yeah, Marie Sendak, man, he's one of those cats that, like, definitely had a, a gigantic, gigantic impact uh-huh. on, on my childhood. So I'm glad to hear that he did for yours as yeah, well. Yeah, if you ever read about him and how he thinks of his work, he doesn't think of himself as a children's book author. Yeah. So, like, he never wrote his stuff like he was writing to children. Which is, I think, why it appeals to children, because it doesn't talk down to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really tight. What about a Shel Silverstein? Did you get down with him? Yeah, yeah, where the sidewalk ends and stuff like that. Uh, The Giving Tree, was that? Yeah, yeah. All that stuff always made me feel so weird. Yeah. And even now, it's like, I can even think of the illustrations in those, and they're just weird. Uh They're strange, man. But I remember really, really enjoying those a lot as a kid i'm actually kind of surprised that like i was allowed to have them because they're just strange you know uh actually just talking about marie sendak and shell silverstein i should mention a podcast i really love that ended years ago but it's uh called the dead authors podcast Mm. it's hosted by paul f Tompkins as hg wells what and he uses his time machine to travel and talk to different authors 
What? And the authors are other uh, comedians, like, who, who've done research on the author, but are also uh, improving a lot. It's hilarious and informative. And there's a Shel Silverstein episode and a Marie Sendakin. That episode. is fucking and badass. a Dr. Seuss episode with Ben really? Schwartz. Yeah. Dead. What's it called? Uh, Dead Authors podcast. I gotta find that. And by the way, all proceeds for Dead Authors at the time went to Eight Two Six LA, which is a place I used to volunteer in LA. That, that is teaches rad. Uh, writing and and reading to huh. second graders and third graders. That's extremely cool. It's fun stuff. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, that Shell Silverstein stuff. Like, I especially remember that one about um, shit. It was like if you stick a stick your tongue out, like a bird will fly by and like bite it off. Right. Yeah. And that like kind of freaked me out as a uh-huh. little kid. There's that, a lot of that okay, stuff so that just scared me. And made that's me feel exactly weird. where. Okay, so Marie Sendak and Shell Silverstein would take you into scary places. Totally, because they and, knew that was part of being a kid is being yeah, scared of stuff. Scary. Yeah. And and I feel like there's a lot. I feel like a lot of that stuff gets kind of neutered out. Uh huh. Of a lot of stuff these days. Dude, it's like, do you think that they would fucking make and market the never-ending story to kids these days? Fuck no. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Absolutely unlike. not. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I know Steven Universe isn't aimed at kids, but kids definitely watch it. And Steven yeah. Universe is, is deep and scary. and Yeah. And they're, he deals with deep issues and stuff. But, but I, re- I remember as a kid, especially as just a fucking weird, neurotic... You know, definitely somewhere on the spectrum, kid, uh-huh. like I was, uh, and am, I guess. <laughs> you definitely being scared by a lot of things a lot of times. Oh, yeah. And so it's like reading these things in these books and having these weird feelings and being scared. It's like it kind of made my experience more real. I think it made me realize, like, yeah, other people are scared of shit too, and, and so on. Yeah. That it wasn't just me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things that I think is really, really. Again, giving kids more credit than I think what a lot of people do. And speaking of giving kids credit and just trying to scare the shit out of them, <laughs> scary stories to tell in the dark. I never read it. I still never read it. Is it the you, shit or what? Yeah, you should read it now as an adult. The fact that it's a kid's book is crazy. Those so, stories have stuck with me for my entire life. What's like the ones that come to mind as far as like the ones that freak you out the most? Oh. I've heard people talk about it. It's one of those things that like... I've never seen it, but or read it, but I feel like I've absorbed a lot of it through pop yeah. culture. You know, um, the one about the scarecrow. Scarecrow. Is, uh, I I can't remember the name. What of basically the happens? Um, two guys set up a scarecrow in their field, and they yeah. treat the scarecrow like shit because they're like, you're not, you're just you know, yeah, stuffing, etc. And scarecrow comes to life and kills them. Oh shit! But like, it ends with. The scarecrow dancing in glee with uh, a, a, a human skin laid out on a roof drying. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's kind of like the um, in Creepshow 2, there's that one about the wooden Indian at the it's general It's similar store. to that. Yeah, that wooden Indian story definitely took from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So Scary Stories is kind of an anthology type. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, story several break. different uh, short stories with these illustrations that are demented at times was that the one that had the story about the shit what was it spider that lays eggs in your face oh shit does that happen Uh, yeah i wouldn't have liked that i don't like that now i don't either man i need to read it and and again it's like Uh growing up so like fucking sheltered and stuff Mm -hmm. i was definitely not allowed to have anything that like scary or fucked up Uh uh-huh 
Uh, but I bet if I read that as a kid, I probably would have really dug you it. You would have dug it. And the illustrations. And been scared. The second you see the one illustration from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, you'll be like, I have to read this. Because it's just amazing. Like oh, It looks man. perfect. Perfectly See, dark and scary. I missed out on all those, and like I never read like Goosebumps or any uh-huh. of those. Those, I mean, those are also like those are more kid oriented. And that was like when we were maybe yeah. just getting into like junior My high. My sister right? was big into to Goosebumps. Uh, I don't think I ever read any of those books. Well, but, you're a little older than me, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 84. Uh, yeah, my sister was all born in '83. So. Okay, yeah, and and yeah, like. Uh, I, I wasn't too old for Goosebumps. It was just that my sister was into it, and it was that era where yeah. you're like, I'm lame. older than you, so that's lame. Yeah. Let's go watch Power Rangers together. Well, that's the thing is, dude, it's like when your kid's like the difference between 10 and 13. is so huge. Colossal. <laughs> colossal age difference and like interest difference and stuff like that. Yeah. But I remember a lot of kids, you know, around my age always being about the fucking Goosebumps and the yeah. a- Animorphs Goosebumps. and all that Big stuff. Big stuff, yeah. And I just was not allowed to read that stuff. Did uh did you ever watch Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Are you afraid of the Are dark? Are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. Sorry. I, I can still even recall the theme song in my head so perfectly. Yeah. That honestly, it's like that's probably my first exposure to like scary anything is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. And I remember even times like uh, uh, you know, again, there's there was these crazy inconsistencies through my whole childhood of like sometimes uh my mom who is the the definite main household leader uh-huh. would be hyper uh, sensitive about stuff that we could watch or play, right. and then other times not really care, yeah. and then go right back to, oh, none of that. So there's like times that I was allowed to watch that, and then times that I wasn't, just kind of depending on whatever was going on at that yeah. time. But during those times that we could, I remember watching like the episode with like the, the, the haunted... Um, like a clown, like funhouse thing. Uh huh. That one freaked me out a lot. And I wonder if that's on YouTube. I'd like to go back and watch. Are you afraid of the dark? Oh, I guarantee you can get that. It used to be on, I think Netflix for a while. Really? Shit. I, I totally got to go back and watch those. I bet yeah. I remember more of them than I think that I do. Well, you know, one book that I remember so, so vividly and so importantly through my childhood and I wish I could even remember the name of the guy who wrote it and illustrated it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But okay, I went to kindergarten and went to first grade, mm-hmm. and then I was like homeschooled the rest of the way. Yeah, like a normie, yeah. and then I was homeschooled the rest of the way. Yeah, then you were like, "Re, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> Re, I said. Uh-huh. And I remember one of those years I got to do, you know, the good old book fair. Oh, book fairs are the best. Scholastic book fair, dude, and and I loved it so. I loved it so. They're much. bittersweet to me, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. And dude, the thing is, especially like growing up, super poor, super broke, the idea of me going into this place and somebody saying, "Hey, pick out a book," yeah. it was just like, oh my god, it felt like I was Any on book. Yeah, it was like I was on like supermarket sweep. Uh-huh. You know, yes, <laughs> supermarket sweep was. Gotta awesome. go grab those hams, dude. Get those high dollar items, uh-huh. dude. Those turkeys, uh-huh. load it up. Detergent, diapers. Yep, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. dude, all the high dollar items. <laughs> so <laughs> we need to just do a whole thing about like game we shows. Need to do a super, yeah, oh for my real. god, dude. Uh, maybe if we ever cover like Running Man, we'll do a segment. Well, fuck game shows. yes, we should do, Running, do Man Running Man just so fuck we can it. talk about uh, Richard Dawson oh, for an hour, man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so we we had um, we did this book fair, which I think was the only book fair I ever went to, and they let me they let me shop around into the to the older kids section because I was 
an advanced reader or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got this copy of St. George and the Dragon. Oh, okay. That was so beautifully illustrated. I still have it. It's on the bookshelf in there. Okay. And, you know, it's probably just like a 20, 25-page book with mm-hmm. pictures on every page and, like, cool, like, old um, old English-style text and stuff yeah. on banners and things telling the story of St. George and the Dragon. Slaying that dragon. And, dude, they are the most beautiful full-color illustrations ever. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I loved, like, dragons and monsters and stuff uh-huh. like this, so... And it shows like it shows like Saint George like cut his tail off and like Saint George like at one point has like blood all over himself where he's been injured and awesome he like cuts the dragon's head off at the end of it and all this stuff so it was like kind of gory which was like whoa this is so metal as uh-huh. a kid but man like there was and I'll never forget it and even my mom still remembers to this day there's like this huge like two page spread in that book of like when you first see the dragon like full on. And like St. George is like rearing up on his, you know, pony with his lance. And the dragon takes up like three quarters of this two page spread. Mm-hmm. And I did this like hyper exacting um, copy of that illustration of the dragon wow. when I was a kid. And I-, I wish I could just show you right now so you could see, but it's like this thing was covered in like hundreds of like tiny scales. Like, and I- it's fucking sat there for hours and hand drew all of those little scales for like my copy and oh, shit. shit. I, I mean, again, definitely totally somewhere on that autism spectrum for uh-huh. sure. I remember clocking in the hours on that stuff. I would love it if you showed it to me right now and it was like 14 yeah. crude triangles <laughs> and it said Dagron at the top. <laughs> Dagron. <laughs> Trogdor. Uh-huh. <laughs> that book is so sick. And then actually it's funny, like a year ago, um, right before my buddy, old JR, uh-huh. got married. Woo. We had this party for them. It was like a bridal, I don't know, whatever you call it, wedding party. Mm-hmm. A shower party. A shower party. Everybody take a shower. That's what they call it. Mm -hmm. And in Knoxville, there's a fucking castle. Have you ever been to the Knoxville Castle? I have not. There's a fucking castle in Knoxville. What? Huh? Is it for keeping the invaders out? What is where where it is? Dude, it's it's like actually um kind of off Summit Hill. Okay. And it's kind of set back a little ways. There's like a long story about how it got built and all this stuff. But basically Mm -hmm. they, they rent it out for parties and stuff. It's kind of gross. It's like super musty. Definitely has mice everywhere, which awesome. we saw the entire time. That's fun. Ants everywhere. Oh, man. But it's seriously like this crazy, beautiful, like, castle. Yeah. And uh, crazy enough, like, I remember going there last year, and we were just kind of scoping the place out, and they had like a like an organ. And on the music stand for the organ, they had a copy of St. George and Dragon. Like the Seriously? same one that I had when I was a kid. Holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, holy fucking shit. That's the only other copy I've ever seen in this book. Yeah. I got to show it to you, dude. The illustrations no, are beautiful. I 100% want to see it. I, by the way, already had a, a, a one on my list about the Scholastic Book Fair. Yes. A book I got from the Scholastic Book Fair was Ralph S. Mouse, which is the sequel to The Mouse and the Motorcycle. I never read that. Okay. All right, so I didn't read The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Yeah. I saw the ABC adaptation with Fred Savage. Okay, yeah. Um, And we had the book fair not long after that, and I was like, Ralph S. Mouse, the fucking sequel, dude. Yeah, tell me more. See what's up with Ralph, dog. How about, how about that? Uh, it is 
the first book I ever read over a hundred pages in one oh, day. Oh shit! Wow! I was seven, and I Man, read you nailed it. it. I read it from the time I woke up to almost about sleepy time. My my uh, grandmother was watching something. I think it was designing women. Not positive on that. Sounds about right. Anyway, my grandmother was watching something on TV, and I finished it, and I went, "I'm finished." And I was so proud of myself. Tight. Reminds me of my honeymoon. (laughs) I'm finished. And your wife was like, oh, that's good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What a big boy. Here's the thing about that, though. When I went to the Scholastic Book Fair, where I ended up buying Ralph S. Mouse. Yeah. um, One of the most devastating things I ever saw as a child happen. Oh, shit. There was a guy who was a couple of grades ahead of me who was uh, mentally handicapped. Yeah, yeah. And he came into the library with books he had checked out of the library. Yeah. Berenstein Bear books. Okay. Uh-huh. Get to those. Uh-huh. And he he wanted to check books out of the library. Yeah. But when they had the Scholastic Book Fair, the library books were closed off. Yeah. And he walked in with his books and he was, Aww. you know, saying he wanted to check out new books. And they were like, oh, no, sorry. We, you know, the books are closed off. And Dude, he, just let him have the like fucking books. And like his face just like, he was just like Aww. so devastated. And they tried to explain it to him. And then he threw his books down and ran out crying. Oh, and man. And after why? that, scholastic book, scholastic book fairs lost a lot of their luster for me. That fucking sucks. <laughs> after that, I was like, what if he wants to come in and check out Give him the fucking books. <laughs> like, Jesus what? Christ. So, yeah. Anyway, Aww. bittersweet. Scholastic book fair. Let me bring it back up. Did you ever check out any of the... And these aren't necessarily kids' books, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any of the DK, like kind of vaguely educational books, like Dorlinger Kinsley or something no. like that? I bet you've seen these. They're always at libraries and stuff. They're usually maybe 100... 80, 100 pages, something like that. Uh-huh. Big rectangular hardcover books, white covers with a lot of just like pictures and like arrows pointing to stuff and telling you information about mm-hmm. them. I know that you've seen these books before. Okay. I know that you've seen them. DK. If, if I showed you the logo, you'd recognize it immediately. Donkey oh, yeah, Kong. DK. Gotcha. Yeah, Donkey yeah. Kong books. Exactly. I'm actually going to grab my phone and start showing you this as we go. Okay. So as a kid, I, again, like being, being homeschool and so on, uh, my mom tried to do her best to load the house up with all kinds of like, you know, educational books uh-huh. and stuff like that. See, you recognize that logo, DK? Yes. You remember that? Yeah. And it's like we had a bunch of them around the house that were about different topics, whether okay. it be like moths and butterflies, uh-huh. reptiles, fucking right. uh, the Middle Ages, e- ancient Egypt. Okay. And they were so fascinating man it was like it was perfect fodder as a kid to go through and just like look at all these pictures and you see these little arrows pointing to stuff and it's like these scales develop to harness the heat of the sun and warm the creature's blood and stuff stuff, stuff like this beautiful full color awesome awesome books I'm I'm starting to gather you like stuff with scales dude yeah scale and it's funny because carrying into music also loves scales yeah Big fan of scales. Big fan of scales overall. (laughs) Any kind. And I would also put in that vaguely uh, educational kind of thing we also had, which I think we've mentioned this 
way long ago in the podcast, but we had the whole set of world books. Oh yeah, yeah. Encyclopedias were huge when we were like yep. it was Encyclopedia Britannica it was before was the, the internet. Yeah, it was the internet right in book before form. the internet. Yep. Like because I remember yep. whenever my uh, my cousins got a computer before we did because yeah. they had more money than us, um, and they they got uh, the Encarta. Oh like, yeah, yeah. CDs. Yep. Uh huh. And it was just like I remember that. Like Holy that, shit. that eliminates all the the encyclopedia books. Yeah, and you know what? It, it never really did. It wasn't until Wikipedia that something finally actually replaced encyclopedias. Probably. Yeah, because yeah, Encarta never had that same feel to it, where you could pull down the book and just look through it. Yeah. Be like, what is that picture? I want to know more about that, dude. I I love those things. And like, we had some of the ones too that had like the crazy, um, like uh, clear plastic overlay. Yes, like, yeah, human, that's, human anatomy yeah, that's what things. my grandparents still have. Yes, they have those. Where you could be like, the, here's like, the skin, here's yeah. the muscle system, here's the nervous system, here's yeah. the internal organs, and like flip through them. Yeah, so fucking rad dude yeah. it's like and again it's like i don't know if kids these days are exposed to that stuff or not i learned the rules I of loved football it. from reading an encyclopedia yeah because it had all the it had all the different calls that yeah. the referee would make it had yeah. all the different signals and so that like reading that and looking through those pictures helped me learn all the rules of football it, yeah like dude encyclopedias I, are amazing i've mentioned this on our i think on a jurassic park episode a while back but it's like those books taught me how to read yeah, they taught me how to read because yeah, like you want to know what goes with that picture you like. Yeah, because yeah. as a kid, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Yeah, and I just flip through these pictures, or sorry, flip through these books, looking at the pictures, and be like, "Oh, that's a stegosaurus." I guess these symbols underneath it that must mean stegosaurus. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that goes. That's the one that goes. Tuh. Yeah. That's the one that goes. Eh. Yeah. And I figured out how to read based on that so it's yeah. like those world book encyclopedias I, burgundy with like gold trim like, i remember them so clearly dude this is entirely unplanned but the next thing on my list yeah is an encyclopedia now it's a little different okay okay so i knew those encyclopedias from from my grandparents house yeah. i'd gone through them so many times every time i would be over there just looking through them i want to P- find P.S. something new i don't even know how we afforded them when i was a kid i don't, I don't know i don't know how, how yeah. we afforded that I set think, encyclopedias yeah like, I, don't, I, I don't know they had like payment plans and shit for encyclopedias yeah. Yeah, i want to ask my mom how we got the, now, i'm gonna yeah. see her on sunday i'm gonna ask her how do we even fucking pay for this sorry <laughs> anyway um so uh through some circumstances, I ended up with some books from my mom's boyfriend's brother. Okay. Just this big... Is this dog fighting boyfriend? Oh, no, no, no. This is motorcycle boyfriend okay. whose brother killed himself in the middle of Morristown. Woo! You know where Fazoli's is? Absolutely. That intersection. I saw a wreck happen at that intersection. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there you I go. I went to court and everything. The, so, his brother Madness. killed himself. Whoa, holy shit. Really? Huh? He killed himself like at that intersection. Yeah, the cops were all surrounded. Holy it's shit! Pretty fucking insane. I was. You come from some crazy shit. I dude. come from some crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's so Morristown. That's so Morristown. It is so Morristown. <laughs> By the way, when that happened, like my uh, mom didn't say specifically what had happened, but we went to the hospital, and while in the hospital, I saw Pete's dragon. For the first time. So my association of Pete's Dragon is suicide. Tight. I think a lot of people probably have that same association. Pete's Dragon also depresses the fuck out of me, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Wow. Anyway, in the box, I got this huge box full of books. This guy was, he, he read a lot. And my mom was like, you probably would like these books. And most of them were obviously way above my head. But yeah. one of them was an encyclopedia of the paranormal. Is this like a Time Life book? I, some, I think it may have been a time. Do you remember, book. like, when we were kids, that shit be advertised yeah, yeah. on TV all the time? Yeah, it's like yeah, my, my, secrets of the unknown. Yeah, my and grandparents shit. bought the Time Life uh, uh, Civil War series, and like we had a few of those that we got at a yeah. yard sale or something because we didn't order them off TV. But it's like we did end up with a few. Or no, no, no. I think I got them from the library. I don't think yeah. we owned them. I think I would get them from the library in Morristown. Those Time Life books. Yeah. Those were the shit. Yes, they 100% were. And by the way, uh, I, I read this article recently about some uh, history teacher saying that uh, children aren't taught slavery the way they used to be taught oh, what yeah? slavery is. And I, I remembered that just in school, seeing pictures in the history books, like yeah. third grade of like backs just destroyed from whips oh, like and whipping stuff. and stuff yeah, and yeah. they don't show that anymore oh shit which i think is a huge problem it's important to yeah if you think that. slavery is just people holding you someplace you don't want to be no. it was much worse than that and those wow. time life civil war books went real and graphic and yeah. it was i remember looking at it as it a child be. and just being disgusted yeah being like oh we can't have that again it should be that way yeah but anyway, this encyclopedia of the paranormal, like... This it sounds sick. It was amazing. It, I read all about the Loch Ness Monster, all about the Nazca lines. Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch. Atlantis. Fucking amazing shit, just like... And it was thick, too. Sounds and I tight. went through that all the time. I would just read a new uh, article every single day. Damn. Just wanting to know more about it. it mummy curses. It had a whole thing on oh. mummy curses. Like... God, this dude. this whole conversation is making you wish that I had time to like, dude. I cherish so many memories, not only of my childhood but also my early adulthood of like going to the library. Yeah, because like even even like the whenever, library was the best, dude. Like whenever Kate and I like moved in together and we were broke as a joke. Uh huh. Go it's to the like, library. We'd go to the fucking library like yeah. once a week. It's like we'd go there and we'd find a bunch of books or mm -hmm. movies or books on tape. Yeah. Because it. Because it's free, dude. It's fucking free. When my wife and I first moved to L.A. and didn't have anywhere to stay, we went to the library. <laughs> I can still... And again, it's like growing up, also super poor. Yeah. And we would go to the library all the time and stuff and get books and all that. It's yeah. like... The, the memories of the, the smell of that library in Morristown. Yeah. While walking up that ramp. Yeah. You know? And even just the the sound of the echoes in the library because it's so quiet. Yeah, it's like I really that stuff is really really important to me, man. Yeah, it really like I remember um, Jefferson City. The library I never was there. It's where the uh, baseball field is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah. I, I played baseball growing up. So in between games, because uh, my cousins, uh, I would basically be there with my cousins because my mom would have to work, and so I'd be with my aunt. My cousins would be on different teams, so yeah. I'd be there all day. So while one of us was playing a game, the other two would go hang out in the library. Dude, I, this is so fucked up. I seriously bet that like I was totally because we don't, we met each other in college. Yeah, I bet I was right there yeah. the entire time because my grandparents, my mom's parents, lived right across the street from the ball field. Yeah, I was there yeah. frequently as a kid. That's crazy. 
being bummed out and depressed. Oh man, yeah. The pool's kinda... there too. Yeah. Oh man. But it's like I, I was literally across the street from the ball field all the time. I'm sure that I, I fucking yeah, we ran probably into you. saw each other. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I probably didn't talk to you because you weren't related to me. <laughs> it's true. I was so a crazy, man. Not related to Ben. Not Eller. I read. Um, I remember. I think because I was trying to get into baseball. Yeah. Because like baseball was one of the things that I always liked to watch, and playing was fun-ish, but it was a big chore. Yeah. So I wanted to get into it, and I read a biography of Jackie Robinson. Oh, yeah? At the library. Like, I just sat and read it there the whole time. I think it was maybe 70 pages or something. Yeah. And um, it it really helped me be like, man, baseball's pretty cool, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about our, our childhood reading habits... I, I cannot, I can't not mention a couple elements that were absolutely critical and absorbed uh-huh. so many hours of my time. Um, as a kid, I think I was the only kid that I knew that was into video games. Oh, like playing wow. Nintendo and yeah. then even into the Super Nintendo and early PlayStation age and stuff. Yeah. I, was, I was one of the only kids that I knew. Of course, I didn't know many kids, but like none of my friends, again, they're all playing sports and stuff. And I was like, you know, video games are sick. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time as a kid pouring over the pages of Nintendo Power. Yeah, Nintendo Power. Oh, my God. Dude, and Game Pro. Yeah. And Tips and Tricks. I also, because I was into comic books, Wizard Magazine. Dude, Wizard is totally on my list. I Mm want to talk about that in a second, too. But, man, those... Those video game magazines, and then it also trans, uh, transitioned when I got into like the PlayStation age into uh-huh. um, EGM. Like EGM was great, yeah. And every now and then I get an IGN, and then uh-huh. uh, PSM. PSM, yeah. PlayStation magazine yeah. was my jam of jams. Uh-huh. I had it was one of those things where it'd be like a Christmas or birthday present, but I'd get a subscription to those, yeah, because it was all of twenty bucks a year or whatever. Uh-huh. And man, it's like, dude, I would I would wait by the fucking mailbox for those things. Yeah. I was I was all about it because again, it's like homeschool kid, a lot of free time, not a lot of friends. Uh-huh. None of my friends are into the same shit as me. Like those those video game magazines and stuff were so important to me because it was they just like, time, wow. Man. It's like, oh, other people are into the same shit that I am. Yeah. Yeah, my you know? I I was very fortunate because uh, my older brother, who's four years older than yeah. than me, uh, he was into video games. My cousins were into video games, so like I just thought everybody was. I thought but, everybody should be. Yeah. And now everybody is. And now everybody is. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember in in school just blank looks when yeah. talking about like, like you'd say video games. Like, kind of like a shame. Played that like, Zelda too. That's weird. That's right? weird, huh? <laughs> right. It is weird. Kind of is. A weird game. Yeah, it is odd, man. Um, but yeah, like uh, I remember reading Nintendo Power a bunch of shit. Yeah. Really, just getting into the maps, like the fold-out maps and stuff. Dude, I would read walkthroughs of games that I never, yeah, never played. Mm-hmm. But it's like I could probably tell you codes to them right now <laughs> and like how to beat the fucking bosses and yeah. stuff like this. I was just so, so in deep. I mean, it's like, you know, as a kid, I always had Nintendo systems. I never had Sega systems. Yeah. And then I, I had PlayStation systems. I never had, I, ne- I never owned an N64. I never had Xbox. Hmm. But I would still read like walkthroughs of like N64 yeah. games. 
and shit like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, but I was so into those game magazines and stuff as a kid, dude. Yeah. Not really very cool. Uh, probably not all that beneficial on me as a human. Maybe. I don't know. Eh, whatever. I mean, like, I had I a think good what fun, those, so. I think what those uh, magazines did for a lot of people was they revealed that uh, video games were an industry that you could get into. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that's a really good point, man. That's yeah. a really good point. And yeah, there's just so much good stuff in those, in those fucking things. And so much cool, like, artwork and... Yeah advertisements and so on that yeah i i can't not mention that stuff because i've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and i'll even go through every now and then i still have all those magazines upstairs and every now and then i'll pull out a stack of them and just just browse through man just about yep i remember this i remember this yeah i remember the one thing i remember always when someone says the words nintendo power yeah the thing i remember First and foremost is reading that a guy beat Ninja Gaiden with his feet. Impossible. I also remember reading that. Yeah. Yep. And I, 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 by the way, played a game of Tecmo Bowl with my feet, and I believe it might be possible. Yeah? Yeah, I think it might be. Holy shit. I, it would be real hard. Ninja Gaiden is one of the hardest games ever. Ninja Gaiden is impossible it's insane. with your feet. What? Insane, man. Anyway. What, so, as far as like other stuff, I got to mention too, real quick. Go, yeah comic books yeah comic books gigantic impact on me as a kid huge huge colossal and it didn't even matter like i i couldn't follow the stories most of the time yeah way beyond me yeah because back then it's like every other line would be like asterisk yeah see issue 52 asterisk see issue 12 see Uh issue 152 like how am i gonna do that yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) like what are they fucking talking about yeah it was, just it was the put drawing. The it was that was the thing. It was all Absolutely. about the drawing. And that was, I mean, that was the early '90s. What's the first boom. comic books you ever remember having? Um, you know, to warm you up while you think about it. Yeah, I remember getting this Iron Man issue where he was fighting this huge robot that was on these big like tank treads, mm-hmm. just some nameless fucking scrub villain. Uh huh. I remember getting that, and then I also remember really early on getting some of the uh, Ninja Turtles, yeah, comics. Um, the first comic that I got that was mine to own was a Wonder Man comic. Okay. Mm-hmm. I liked the cover. It, um, Wonder Man, not a great character. I don't remember Wonder Man. He's an Avenger. Okay. Uh, also, he, he's kind of like the Johnny Cage of of avengers like okay. he's a movie star i gotcha and punches uh, people in the balls yeah punches people straight in their balls <laughs> but yeah like i remember reading um spider-man a lot especially during the the symbiote oh era man where dude, it was maximum carnage maximum and shit. carnage yeah dude I would Spider-Man, go like that's fucking awesome. Fuck yeah, the mm-hmm. Mark Bagley and John Romita Jr. eras, mm-hmm. the maximum, yeah. the maximum awesome. Especially the Mark Bagley stuff was the fucking shit. Yeah. So it's like I remember. Uh, again, I really didn't spend much time with my dad as a kid. Yeah. But one thing that we would do every now and then, if there was a day, again, going back to my mom's on and off religious conservative yeah. hysteria. Sometimes we wouldn't go to church on Sundays, Whoa. so we would go to the flea market in Morristown. Yes, 
Yeah, you went to that, I'm sure. Yes, I went to that exact flea market, and I bought comic books there. Fuck yeah. Yes. Me too. I went all the time, dude. And it's like, you would go around and just fucking search through his long boxes. Yeah. And man, it's like, you'd find some gold. That that was where I was introduced to the Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. The really? old team. The team that they, they uh, hint at at the end of the second yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I remember reading that and just being like, what is this? Because it was so different. Like, it's not attached to any of the other parts of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And like, just so weird. And, and I, Yondu was in it, by the way. I want to put out to our <laughs> listeners, too, that, like, y'all might think of a flea market as, like, an indoor, like, shopping mall with Oh, no, with no, booths. this is outdoors. Outdoor, dude. And there's people <laughs> Tables selling... Tables just set yeah. outdoors. And there's people fucking selling fighting chickens. Oh, yeah. 100%. So many fighting yes. chickens. There was Pit bulls, like, fighting like, dogs. Yeah, th- this will at any point turn... It turn into a, a cock fight or a pit bull fight. Yeah, absolutely so. And and also a lot of like unlicensed like Guns and Roses t shirts. Yes. Shit that people screen printed in their backyards uh-huh. and shit. Bad like Tweety Bird, like yeah. just and, and real I'm, shitty. I'm also uh, Bart Simpson. <laughs> quite sure it's like that's gotta be where my dad was like scoring Coke and stuff like oh, this. 100%. And weed. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, what yeah, that for place sure. is for. To but pretend dude, you're not selling Coke. Exactly. <laughs> or crank or whatever but it's like we'd go around and i would be like okay i have part one three five and eight of maximum carnage yeah let's try to find the rest and we go through and we prowl through these long boxes and stuff or like i especially remember getting the um uh shit what was the storyline that went through with like strife Uh uh-huh uh fuck it went through like x-men x-force cable the Yes, I know you what know you're what I'm talking about. about. Yes, I, I cannot remember the name of it right now for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But that whole thing, like I got all those, and yeah, uh, again, like a lot of the X Men stuff and all that, I got yeah. at those flea markets. And uh, you know, none of my friends are into any of that shit. Yeah. But it's like I think at the same time, it's like that's why, and this is something that Stan Lee, of course, has elaborated on with uh-huh. X Men and stuff. It's like that's meant to appeal to to outsiders and people who feel like yeah. they don't belong for one reason or another. Yes, if everybody had been into it, it obviously wouldn't have been an effective tale. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I remember getting those, you know, those X Men back issues and stuff uh-huh. like this, and really connecting with it on on a lot of levels. It's like I really loved those comics and stuff yeah. as a kid, man. Again, mainly a Marvel dude, not really a DC guy. Yeah, I was I was big into Marvel, but I, I also was a huge Batman fan because Batman, uh, the 89 yeah. movie, um, had really initiated that that love for me. And so um, I, w- I would read Batman and um, just look for any Marvel comics that I... Uh, that caught my eye. Yeah. Like, whatever cover caught my eye... I would really get into, and so like I had, um, I had the the New Mutants seventy six, I believe, which was okay. the introduction of Cable. Yeah, like I New Mutants was cool to me. I always I, loved I really Cable, loved dude. That uh, that style, and then Cable came along, and he was just a, such a great character. The Strive storyline, Executioner song, Executioner. That's song. what I was yeah, looking yeah. for. That's it. Sorry, I just had to interrupt myself and put that yeah, in there, man. No problem. Yeah, I read, I read all the fucking. Um, X-Men stuff, the Spider-Man stuff. Um, mm. You know, one of my favorites 
uh, was Deadpool. Like Deadpool, yeah, was, Deadpool was always awesome. one of my favorites. And that as was a kid. before he was even uh, the fourth wall breaking yep. Deadpool. He was just a mercenary. Do you with... remember the four issue miniseries that Joe Matarera? Yes, dude, that yeah. shit is I the ha- best. I d- definitively I have. have all of those right now sitting in my grandparents' house. That stuff was so important to me. And it's like, it really was kind of like world expanding in a lot of ways too. Yeah. When it's like, again, reading like Wizard Magazine, you're like, yeah, Joe Matarera, uh, that did X-Men and Deadpool and uh-huh. all this other stuff. My favorite comic book artist. Beautiful. Incredible yeah, great. art. Really good. And it's like, yeah, he, he did stuff that was based on like Ninja Scroll and all these uh-huh. animes and stuff. And I was like, Japan does animation? Like, what? Yeah, it's like that stuff that really did. And, you know, again, it's one of those cool things that as a kid when you're getting into these books and comics uh-huh. and magazines or whatever where it's like, dude, my parents didn't know what that shit was. My parents no. didn't know anything about Japanese animation or anything like this. Yeah, it's world expanding. It exactly. really makes you just be like, oh, right, there's yep. more than just where I am in yep. this this house right now. And and, yeah. and that's always like what I maintain with people about like why we're all so stuck on the, mu- on the music that we got into when we were teenagers. Yeah. Like, I still adore those early Green Day records and Metallica well, yeah, records. Yeah, because it stuff. shaped how you think. Because it wasn't what my parents were listening to. Yeah. It was stuff that I yeah. introduced myself to. <laughs> the st- yeah. And it's so important. The opposite of thinking is doing what your parents always taught you to yeah. do. Yeah, so exactly. So, like, it, it, yep. it, music that that expands your horizon, yeah. teaches you new ways to think, it, it will stick with you forever. Or comics, or books. Yeah, or, any of those things anything. that bring a new understanding to yeah. you. Um, I, like... There, there's one last thing I wanted to mention that, yeah, hit it. that like I have mentioned I've read it before when we did Hellraiser. Yeah. Uh it's The Thief of Always, which is Clive Barker's children's book. I, I read it that. when I was like eleven or twelve. It is dark. It is uh it's it's Clive Barker. Like it, yeah. it gets as Clive Barker yeah, it's as, fucked up. as Yeah, and then the illustrations, he did all the illustrations. He's a very talented artist. Really? Really fucking um, stuck with me. Damn, I gotta check that out. Yeah, it's it's still good. Like, I, I remember looking back on it uh, a couple of years ago and just being like, no, this is still good. This this was a good book. That's rad, yeah. man. What's it called again? The Thief of Always. I gotta check that out. Yeah. I remember hearing that name, but never yeah. reading it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess my last one that I'll mention on, on my, my book uh-huh. here is... There was this, uh, there's this big, great, big, thick book that we had, and the name is like super, super fucking corny uh-huh. and lame. But it was called the Moral Compass. Mm-hmm. Again, super lame name. But it was this collection of mainly European folk tales. Okay. And they were all, but again, they were the original European tales, so they're like kind of fucked up and weird. Yeah. But they were typically morality tales, uh-huh. you know. And we had that, and, you know, it was like mom would read us those stories and stuff as, as kids and stuff all the time. And that shit was really interesting to me. And mm-hmm. a lot of it brought in, like, Norse mythology yeah, and stuff like that, because, again, they were European tales. And they were just beautifully written and weird. And then, like, also, too, a lot of the, the tales in that book were by the Grimm brothers. Yes. Because then, like, I, I also learned I am related to. Yes, you talked about yeah, that. Yeah, those are like, you know, like great uncles, fucking uh-huh. great, 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 great. By uncles. the way, 
episode of Dead Authors Podcast with the Grimm Brothers. No that shit. That is probably one of the funniest. That's fucking tight, Because Matt man. Gorley is hilarious. That's awesome, man. Yeah, those, those, those tales really made a big impact on me, man. And, and it's cool because it's like all these mythical, you know, monsters and creatures and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, there were a lot of creepy and weird tales in those things. So those made a big a big impact on me. And honestly, it's like it's the kind of thing we're looking back on it. I can even see it laying kind of the groundwork of uh, again, I grew up super Christian and stuff, of mm-hmm. course. But a lot of those tales, even though they're morality tales, were not from the the Christian perspective of yeah, be good or else you go to hell or yeah. if you're good, you'll go to heaven. Like a lot of them were, were more in that paganistic be good because it's good mm-hmm. kind of way. Yeah. So it's like I actually think in a weird way those things kind of help me build my moral compass of don't do good because you get a reward. Don't not do bad because you go to hell. Yeah. Do good because it's good. Yeah. Good for goodness. Don't sake. do bad because it's mean. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So it's like I think a lot of those books even help kind of build that that framework in in my mind in a lot of ways. Man, I'll tell you what. We're an hour and thirty minutes into this podcast, <laughs> and we haven't talked about the Baba Dude. Dude, I could I could seriously go on. I all could day, too. I seriously have all more day. On I've my got list more. We'll get that, into those on a, a future episode yeah. or something sometime as well, man. But hopefully, our listeners that are especially in our age group, I think, are just like, oh shit, I remember that and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm sure there's some of these that are probably pretty pretty isolated incidents, like that moral yeah. compass book and stuff, but. At the same time, hopefully you guys have enjoyed our discussion of a lot of these things. Because I know a lot of us that grew up in this era have a lot of shared Oh, yeah. Experiences a lot of shared experience. The Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, man. Probably encyclopedias. I'm sure we all had grandparents or parents who bought encyclopedias. Oh, dude. Yeah. Time life, all that shit, yeah. man. Okay, so we're going to be talking about The Babadook. And was this the first time that you ever watched the movie? No, 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 no. I've watched it? this movie several times. I watched uh, when The Babadook first came out there was a ton of hype around it ton kind of like veronica-esque uh, yeah so i watched it as soon as possible yeah it, it, it got to netflix pretty quick it did and i watched it as soon as possible and man i'll tell you what i loved it immediately yeah then i watched it with my wife both loved it then i watched it one time when i was super stoned yeah 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 and i realized that it was legitimately one of my favorite horror movies. Wow. Like it's really up there because of the um the just uh resonance that yeah. it has with me because it it's so familiar to me. Totally. That yep. that totally that, that yep. parent child enmity and, and hatred almost of yeah. like why do you exist and why did you make me exist and, like, and also the the fatherless dynamic yes that's yeah 100 yeah. percent. like i mean uh I his, my, my dad uh, my dad wasn't dead that would have probably been cooler where you're like oh, yeah. he's just dead yeah it's, it's just like it. he doesn't want to see me <laughs> well and, th- and that's that's kind of the situation with mine too where it's yeah. like you know my my dad was neither dead nor my parents got divorced when i was like 18 oh really yeah but it was just like, yeah, he's just not here most of the time. Wow. Yeah, and not because he's like a truck driving man. It's just like, no, yeah, he's got he's... other stuff he wants to do. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Which is also why, like, I'm not a dad, is because I think I'd be the same way. I'd be like, yeah, I just want to go here and play guitar. You go yeah. ahead and fucking whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I get it. It's important to know how you would be. Yeah. It's important. 
I, I, the thing that I learned, uh, from my dad is that that's not how I would be like, well, I've learned several times in situations over and over that I wouldn't become a cocaine addict. Right. And uh, yeah, same start with my beating dad. my wife. So, yeah. like, like, I 100% have never identified with my dad. Also, he was never really there at all for me to get that sort of connection where it's like, oh, that's, like, how oh, I do yeah, things. yeah, like me, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I just never really identified. But that that is actually what's going on with this kid, too, is he knows nothing about his dad. Sure. Um, his mom has never talked about the dad at all. He's he's really searching out for information about his dad. Yeah, and also, um, I'm not uh, like I'm not critiquing her momming at all. Mm. Um, but it definitely some of the reasons why he is the way he is is that she is it's partially detached from him. Yeah, she she does like he reminds her constantly of that loss exactly well especially it, considering that his birthday is, is the, the day, day of her husband's death. her husband died yeah. i'll tell you this 100 percent. my wife and i have talked about this a million times uh i and i'm sure a lot of people have had this conversation with their significant other even if you're a person who wants to have kids yeah if uh, uh your wife is or girlfriend or whatever is pregnant and the the birth will have complications that might lead to the death of your significant other. Yeah. Fucking abort that. Like, yeah. in my mind, that's it. Get it out. Oh, yeah. Because I chose to be with my wife. You're talking about if it's just like, if it's between the mother and the unborn child. Well, even if it's not, even if it's not between, I'm saying like, if it's a 25% chance, yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get the fuck out. If it's 10%, you get it the fuck out. Sure. I chose to be with my wife. True. She's yeah. my friend. I like to be with her. Yeah. This is just an embryo. This is just a fetus. Right. Like right, I, right. I would never choose a child over my my significant other, and I think right. most people would say the same. So like, you get her predicament mm-hmm. where she knows she has to raise this kid, and yeah. she's obviously trying, but she just doesn't have the willpower because, I mean, one of the unsung heroes of this is is that there is exposition going on without you knowing it. Yeah. You see her, you see Essie Davis who who plays the mom. Yeah. And she's I think 44, 45ish okay. when they made this. So she's an older mom. Mm-hmm. So that means what you know about the relationship in her late 30s. Yeah. yeah. What you know about the relationship that was going on between those two people is that it was a mature relationship where they made the decision to have a child. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah right. she's in her late 30s yeah. when she got pregnant. Like, they made a decision. It yeah. may have been an accident, but at that point, nobody's... Probably not, yeah. Yeah, no, nobody's really just accidentally having a baby. So, they made this decision. This is something they went into. May have even taken a lot of work to get mm. pregnant at that age. Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, old, but it, it can be harder at, at later ages. Um, So... This was an investment for them. And then she lost the man that I'm assuming either she spent a long amount of time with or she had been through tons of bad relationships up to that point Mm -hmm. that led to her finally being with someone she wanted to be with and wanted to have a child with. And now he's gone. Yeah. And she's in her mid-40s. Yeah. And she has this shithead kid. 
She's the worst. I I get her. <laughs> I, I get know. her throughout. And Essie Davis plays it fucking amazing. I know, man. She is so she really intense does. and so strong throughout. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, what would you say are some of the the inspirations and so forth for this movie. Okay, so Jennifer Kent, the director, has talked specifically about the things that inspired her. And Jen, yeah. we should talk about this because Jennifer Kent, um, she, I, I just, I love this. She said that uh, she went into acting because she wasn't really aware at that stage that women could direct films. Whoa. <laughs> so... Like, when you think about the fact that, like, Patty Jenkins direct Wonder Woman or whatever, you hear about women directing big projects. Yeah. That's important. Because that means women who want to go in the entertainment industry have a model. Yeah, sure. So, Jennifer Kent, when she wanted to go into the entertainment industry, she probably would have chosen directing. But she just didn't see the hmm. model out there that, like, yeah. oh, there are women directing possible. movies. Yeah. Wow. Um, she was inspired uh, by a ton of things. Like she, she there's a lot that end up in the movie. A lot of them end up in the movie. One of those is Voyage to the Moon. Okay, uh, is that is that uh, what's his fucking name? French guy. Melee. Melee. There Mellet. we go. Yeah. The fucking um, tonight, tonight, smashing pumpkins. Yes, director. that one. Uh, <laughs> Hacks on, which is the the it, it was a twenties movie about witches. And okay. So there's a lot of devilry and stuff, one. and they no. sort of put the Bob Babadook into. Is that the one yes. where it shows him standing there? Yes. Uh, really cool. Creepy. Stuff. But she also was obviously. Uh, 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 we see Black Sunday, Lucio yeah, Black Fulci, Sunday. Yeah. Like she, she really shows her inspirations, but she also has said like the thing was a big inspiration. Okay, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that. And I see, I see, um, S.C. Davis's performance reminds me. Uh, and again, we just talked about this with this uh, descent. Reminds me of Sally from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That right. just sort of at the end of her rope. Totally. Everything is crazy. Like, just going insane type yeah. of actress. Like, it's so good. Um, But yeah, so she was inspired by all these classic horror movies. And you can see throughout that she uses these muted colors. I love the color palette. Yes, it's so muted at times. And the thing that really shines, weirdly enough, is Essie Davis's skin and hair. Like, she she pokes out of everything. She's like the shining mm. beacon in the home. Do you notice how, yeah, she has this bright blonde hair. And yeah. a lot of times through the movie, she's wearing these pale pinks and stuff. Yeah. But typically they're overlaid with like a gray cardigan. Yes. She's like muting herself. Exactly. That's what's going on with her yeah. throughout this movie is that she is muted. Yeah. She is un incapable of having the joy of, of life experience yep. because she's stuck on this old thing that is the Babadook. Yep. I mean, the Babadook in the end represents her husband's death and represents yeah, yeah, yeah. that loss that impression. And loss. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely so. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And it's like I see a lot of people, I think... I think misunderstanding this movie yeah. in, in a lot of ways, and it's like they're really trying to look at it as a monster movie. Oh, it's not that. No. no. And, and honestly, it's like, frankly, if you don't understand this movie, then I kind of 
admire you in a lot of ways because you probably <laughs> not like wrestled with depression and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, no, that's great. If you don't understand this movie because it's just unrelatable to you, wonderful. I'm yeah, glad you had you. such a good I'm life. I'm glad. Yes. Because this movie is at its core about depression yeah. and remorse and loss and grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it actually captures the whole air of depression, yes. I, I think, better than, than about anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, this is one of those things that maybe a little deep to be talking about on this podcast but it's like my entire life I've wrestled with depression yeah uh, which is not something that I think a lot of people might know about me mm-hmm. I am a very you don't come off typically as not depressed, no typically which not which is a pretty good indication of someone who's depressed they find ways Precisely. to mask it exactly yes. and here's the thing as long as I'm busy I'm not yeah okay um, and that is partially why I mean people are always asking me it's like dude when do you sleep <laughs> and it's like I keep I keep myself this busy because that's the best medicine for me. Yeah. Busy is the best medicine. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Because there are so many things in this movie that I think so accurately cue in on what it's like whenever depression just fucking smacks you down. Yeah. Um and it, it's real frustrating yeah. to watch the way that people deal with her. Yes. Which I've seen. I, I I don't suffer from depression. My wife does. Yeah. And I've seen the way people deal with other people's depression. Sure. And it's just like, why don't you snap out of it? Yeah, get like, over it. Why don't whatever. you just be better? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, be happy instead. Yeah. yeah. But, like, she, she does it. So, like, when she calls in and says she's... Her her son is sick, like that's one of the saddest things to me that you yeah. can't call in and say, "I'm depressed." Yeah, yeah, I don't have it in me. And your boss would be like, "Okay, good. Like, right. don't stay home. Don't yeah. come in. There's no reason for you to come in. It's a terrible thing to have to deal with." Yeah, it's just like having to deal with a fever or like it's any other sickness you might have to deal Dude, with. I'll, I'll tell you what though if it is that case I need my boss to tell me to fucking tell me to fucking come yeah, in. Yeah it's a tough one. It's a I, tough my, one. Myself. With, I can only yeah, speak for myself. That's a tough one with depression because everybody has their own coping mechanisms yeah. their own way like for a lot of people it's it's good to just sit in the dark and, and watch some movie and maybe no. cry it out or whatever. Yeah. No, Other I people need, to be, need busy. to be busy. Yeah. And it's like a lot of times I need somebody telling me to be busy. Yeah. You know and that and that's important but it's like even like that scene in the movie where you know she's driving down the road with her son in the back and uh-huh. it's just like suddenly the Duke like fucking yeah like comes at the car Unexpected. and shit yeah it is that kind of thing where it's yeah. like you'll you'll be busy you'll be active and stuff like this and then suddenly it'll just hit you yeah for no reason yeah. That's so that's so fucking real. It's real man. tough cuz yeah. like most most people's brains thrive on consistency and they yeah. they even create consistency in other people's personalities. Yeah. Like they'll create a consistency where maybe it's not there and it's real hard with depression. Yeah. Cuz depression can make a person who is just happy go lucky suddenly like the the weight in the room like Correct. suddenly like the thing that has to be dealt with yeah and that's exactly and i, and I know i'm the same way yeah and, yeah. and that's exactly how that i mean her depression 
is both represented by the Babadook and represented by her child. As he's right. the thing in the room that's screaming and has to be paid attention to. Constantly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely so, man. Yeah, absolutely definitely. Yeah, man, it, it really it really deals with those topics, I think, in a very very amazing, very real way. If yeah. you're the person who can relate to those things mm-hmm. maybe if you've never experienced those things or known somebody who has maybe this movie seems a little disjointed or unrealistic to you or whatever but okay. I mean I I even love even some of the I think some of the metaphors and stuff in this movie might seem overt to somebody mm-hmm. who has dealt with this stuff and maybe lame to people who haven't but even the way that like she keeps all of her husband's stuff like in the basement yeah like locked down like, oh, the the part where she cuddles up with his violin? Yeah. I get it. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And even just like you said, like having her having her kid there and she refuses to like celebrate her kid's birthday on yeah. his birthday. Yeah, because it's the day her it's husband. It's the death died. day. Exactly. Yeah. It's that choice to celebrate the negative. Yeah. Instead of the positive. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is a gigantic thing in this movie. Well, yeah, and that—that's the thing at the end is correct. The Babadook doesn't die. She feeds the Babadook. She goes in and experiences yep. the like. She just confines it to a particular area of her life. Yeah, that's. I I think in the end this is a healthy ending. I think it's and extremely in fact, healthy. The, the, yes, the Babadook itself serves in. I mean, it's supposed to be a horror movie. It's supposed to be a monster, but I think the Babadook serves to bring her and her son together and I know. to then keep them together. Absolutely so. Yes. Which in the Babadook because they have is, a shared loss. Yeah, they have a shared loss. Yeah, and that's the thing is she's always and he says this that like he's my dad too. Yeah, like she always keeps that it's mine grief. Yeah, for herself and keeps it away from him, but right. he wants to share it. Yep, and. That's the thing that brings them together. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that in the end that it is not about quote unquote curing no depression. No. It's not about you curing don't kill loss. the Babadook. No, exactly. And I am so glad that it ended up that way. That mm-hmm. it wasn't like they beat the bad guy and he went away forever. No. When you have depression, when you have grief, when you have loss, it doesn't go away. Yeah. But you can learn to live with it and compartmentalize it, yeah, and have it as part of your life, which it, is what it's always going to be. Yeah. Like that—that's exactly the hope of this ending. Is that yes? It's always going to be there. It's beautiful. Yeah, there is no beating it. You can't no. kill it, and it's no. like it's not. I, I don't know, man. It's not one of those things that you can fucking defeat and it's gone forever. No, you just have to come to terms with it. You exactly. have to accept. I, just like Grover has to learn that he's the monster at the end of the book. <laughs> yeah. She learns that she's the monster at the end of this movie. She's the one who carries this monster and brings it into the home. And she has to feed it. Yeah. And, and, and that is exactly, uh, I think, a, a positive affirmation with anxiety or with depression or anything like sure. that is you sometimes have to feed it you yeah. have to let it be you have let to it let be. it thrive yeah. and you have to let it be a part of you right and then you can move past it now it's still always going to be there in the background exactly you're going to have to go down to it again and feed it some worms and dirt exactly but 
it's it's always going to be a part of you, but you can move past it. No, you're right. Yeah. You're exactly right. I love how, too, I think that the movie shows that these things that we go through, whether it be depression or anxiety mm. or whatever, are, are contagious. Mm. And how they can infect the lives of others that are around us and stuff. Because I know, I know whenever I go through those phases where I get low and I get down on yeah. stuff, it's like, it's it's obviously got to be contagious, like on my wife and... Mm. He does. I mean, yeah, no, because yeah. as someone who is married to someone with sure. depression, it affects you. But I don't think it affects. It, it's not a negative effect. Yeah. If you if you know how to deal with it, it's not a negative effect. It's a uh, it's more of a worry than mm-hmm. it is a, a a feeling of being dragged down by it. Yeah. It's more of a. I don't know. Like it's. I hope I can lift you out of this. Mm-hmm. Not not you're dragging me into this, but more of like I I hope I can get you back up here. Yeah. 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 Without you pulling me down. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the cast in this flick? Okay, uh, Se Davis is fucking amazing. She's, the kid. The, she, the, the uh, she's fucking amazing. The kid is fucking amazing. Y- yeah. Um. The way that they, because like obviously. There are intense scenes yes. of S.E. Davis berating and choking this child. Yeah. Um, and the way that they dealt with this is t- he's not he's not the one being berated. Whenever she's doing the yelling, she is yelling at uh, an adult on their knees just to have the eye lines right. He, right. He had no idea what most of this movie was. Just they, like they kind of went the opposite of The Exorcist, for yes, example. But more like The Shining, where the yeah. kid didn't really know didn't what know. was going on. Yeah. Yeah, which which is cool. Yeah, it is. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's better than Linda Blair knowing everything that's going on. Yeah. I should think. Yeah. I should it, think it, anyway. It, it's better that the kid didn't get traumatized by a movie he was in. Everybody in this movie fucking acts their asses off. Yeah, they really do, and like, um, the sister and her friends are properly, oh yeah, uh, properly waspy, yeah, and incapable. I would say, in fact, like that that scene where they're at the birthday party yeah. with the I work with unfortunate women, etc., and, and her like clapping back on that with like. You know the oh poor you don't have time to go to go to the gym yeah or you don't have time yeah, to yeah, go yeah. to the gym like that that was a very affirmative scene for me where it was like okay she's still got life in her yeah she's not just ready to roll over roll and over, die yeah, yeah. yeah so that that was cool and her sister plays that uh, self interest over. Uh, mm-hmm. Love for her sister really well. That whole I can't really relate to what you're going yeah. through. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and like, and her her excuses are bullshit, and yeah. like she pulls off that sort of bullshit facade really well. Yeah, definitely yeah. so. And like the fucking the the kid in the movie, he's insane. It is probably the most irritating character of any movie ever. One hundred percent. I can't Mommy! imagine. Dude, I, I can't think of any character in any movie that has stressed me out as much as that fucking kid. Nor can I. No, the, he he is effective birth control. What's his name in <laughs> uh, Texas Chainsaw? Um, the guy in the wheelchair. The guy, uh, Franklin, so, Franklin. Franklin, that's uh, so fucking yeah, he's, annoying. He's 
He's got to be up there for sure. But like Franklin dies earlier in the movie, and this kid this lives kid just the whole persists. time. He is the most. I seriously think the most stressful. Nothing in my hand. Character. Nothing in my hand. Oh my gosh! Oh, shut the fuck shut up, up with kid. your fucking magic tricks. And dude, it's like we we talked about those people that have the um, what do you call it? That thing in German, the face you want to punch. Uh, backfife and gesicht. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, usually those belong to like adults and like senators and politicians. This and kid's got one. And dude, I feel so bad about it because it's like, <laughs> he's just a little kid and I really want to punch him in the face. Well, that's the, that's the genius of Jennifer Kent here is not only did she write this story where a mom hates her son, her, her small son, which... Yeah. He's already unrelatable to most people because most people want to feel that mothers are these like their mothers are made in the second yeah. of conception. The right. second you you conceive a child, you care for it and you only want its happiness. Yeah. And and that's not her. Like she just wants a second of her own happiness. And this little shit just constantly ruins it. And and you feel her. You feel that like mom hating her child more than you feel the child like you're more on her side and jennifer kent it makes this work this just real dark tension absolutely and and it does it has a positive ending i think very positive i think so too man yeah but you get her whole you get her whole arc as far as like she is obviously frustrated with the kid because the kid's a fucking lunatic yeah, and he's then also probably too, a lunatic because of the way she treats him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, there's definitely this whole like codependent. She lets him be this way. She does kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, then there's, there's also instances the fact that like he just reminds her of the fact that her yeah. husband's dead. Yeah, he's a constant time. reminder. Yeah, like if somebody just wore a shirt every day that said "Your husband died on this day." Remember? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I do. I remember. Now, in the movie there, we get the Mr. Babadook book that uh-huh. just kind of shows Which up on the kid's bookshelf. Such a great like pop-up book. Dude, it's fucking phenomenal, man. Yeah, it's a, an American artist. I can't remember his name, but uh, an American artist that put that all together. It looks great. It's beautiful. And I guess the people that um, supported the, the Kickstarter campaign, I think, got a copy of it. Yeah. But it's like, now you can get a copy yourself if yeah. you want to. And man, it's like I don't think I've I can ever recall being more like freaked out by a paper <laughs> pop up book on uh-huh. film. It's so crazy, dude. Then like when you're seeing like the images of her like killing the dog, oh. and, like, strangling the kid, and then like she does kill her she, dog, like, cuts her neck, and then you see the the like the pop up book thing, yeah, the blood it's running like out, red felt come out, dude. Yeah. It's fucking so scary yeah the the fact is at the end of this that she she is emotionally healthier than she was at the beginning yeah so we get we get our hero's journey we get our yeah. uh, our change but she killed her dog she did do that that's and one of those unerasable almost things almost killed her son yeah she, she did. wanted to yeah real bad she told him to go eat shit. Yeah, she did. Which is a play on the title. Baba, bottle, Duke, shit. <laughs> she said, go get your shit bottle. <laughs> what do you know about the director of this flick? Jennifer Kent, she... um, So she 
went into acting. She decided that she was interested in directing after she saw Dancer in the Dark. Oh, Bjork's Bjork, movie. Lars von Trier. Um, do you love Bjork? I do love Bjork. Me too. Big, Fuck. huge fan of Bjork, and I, I like Dancer in the Dark, though it is very depressing. Boy, Lars von Trier sure knows how to make a movie that makes you want to kill yourself. He sure does. And we should cover his movie Antichrist, his oh, only Jesus, horror movie. no. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No, but I've read about uh, it. Unsimulated sex. Hard pass. Uh huh. Willem Dafoe's big veiny cock. Yeah. Just a. He's got a hog. He's got a hog. Damn. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> she wrote a letter to Lars von Trier because she thought the idea of going to film school was depressing. Okay. And she she wrote a letter and basically volunteered her services, and he was like, you know what? Cool. I'll have you on. For a directing unit for my movie Dogville that I'm making with Nicole Kidman. Right. She went and she she watched him. She worked as his assistant, watched him direct, learned basically how to do it. And then she made uh, a short called Monster, which she calls Baby Babadook. Uh, it was okay. basically the, the, the seeds of what would become Babadook. Now, that no. was 2005... Yeah. Babadook came out in 2014, so she wow. worked for nine years. She did five uh, drafts of the script, really went into it, really got it. And she and Essie Davis went to um, school together. Okay. And so she she sort of went with this person she knew from school, who she knew was a great actress, and then worked her ass off to make the kid comfortable. Like, she would Damn. just have time where they would just play. Like, the actors would play. So yeah. the kid would feel comfortable around everybody. That's cool. Yeah. Um, she's awesome. I, I'm excited for her upcoming movie that I think comes out in 2019. Not sure what it's about or anything. Mm. But excited to see more from her because this is great. Yeah. Yeah, I totally and, and agree. beautifully shot. Yeah, the aesthetic of the movie I think is absolutely fucking gorgeous, man. I love, I love that house. Yeah, it's so cool, and that it it was built for the movie. Okay, that's something that I was really wondering about because, mm-hmm. like, as we we're watching it, I was like, man, I wonder if this is a set or mm-hmm. if this is a house. The or interiors what. are sets. The exterior was built for the movie to look like a Victorian home. Because wow. uh, they couldn't find one that would fit their criteria. So the interiors are set. Yeah, they're all set. But they look so believable. They're amazing. I love how everything is that like drab. Everything is shades of gray. Everything. Everything, everything is gray, yeah. And I really, really dig that. It, it really has like an Edgar... Uh-huh. Uh, or, or What's the name? Gory? Gory, uh-huh. Is it Edgar Edward. Gory? Edward Gory, uh-huh. yeah. Everything has that kind of gory vibe. It does about it, like this. And Victorian that's perfect because that, the Babadook has that totally gory feel. He's also based off of. Uh, I think I showed you a picture earlier, but he's based off of uh, Lon Chaney or Lon some shit, Chaney's right? character in the movie London After Midnight, which is a lost film. Okay, uh, I want to know about that. I know nothing about this. So, <laughs> the name of the character is the man in the beaver hat. The man in the beaver hat. Yeah. Here's the thing about London After Midnight. It came out in 1927. Okay. It's a lost film, meaning no copies of it exist. Oh, wow. Evidence that it existed exists, meaning there were reviews of it. People said they saw it. 
Wow. There are stills from the production, etc. Yeah. But the movie doesn't exist. And this is the thing about Lon Chaney that you'll find if you go and look at his filmography. The major portion of everything he did is lost. Because huh. at that time, it was ephemeral. They thought of it like theater. It was recorded theater. And theater okay. happens every night. Yeah, it's yeah, It's not yeah. something you keep around. This will keep going, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they just weren't kept around. Now, Lon Chaney, uh, just this has to be known by all, all horror aficionados. Lon Chaney, who played the Hunchback of Notre Dame, okay. he played the Phantom, he played um, several other amazing characters that if you saw the pictures, you'd be like, I know that character. He did his own makeup. And in fact, Whoa. he was one of the major creators of this awesome horror makeup and horror effect style. Hmm. So anytime you see, uh, you know, the Phantom of the Opera, how he has that sort of yeah, upturned yeah, nose. Totally. That, Lon Chaney didn't cut off his nose. He, he had to have a prosthetic holding his nose up the whole Whoa. time that he was acting. Um, it's, it's amazing. And so like... This man in the beaver hat, he has that large hat look to him. He also has these sort of bat wings. Okay. And these intense eyes that you see on, on the Babadook. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of that sort of came from this Lon Chaney creation. Wow. Um, and, and that all has to do with Jennifer Kent being really in tune with horror history. Like, He's got that silent movie era yeah, creepiness about he him. Does, exactly. And in fact, the, the the scenes where you see him that where you don't just see... Because like the only scenes where you see the clothing and you see actors touch it, etc. Yeah. Those, those are different than the scenes where you see the Babadook because all of those are stop motion. I was wondering about that because yeah. there seemed to be like weird, like jerky, like missing yeah. frames. And, and she so went for that style. She was going for it's incredible. that. Like, because it, it's, it's unnerving. Yes. And there's so many shots in the movie where it's like, you know, uh, the mom like alone in her bedroom. Uh huh. And the lighting is like weird. Yes. And dark. It's always a bit off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it reminds you so much of like, Every room you've ever slept in your life, where yes. you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't really tell where anything yeah, is. Yeah, where and is, and, and especially when it's a, a different room. Yeah. Where you've never slept there before you wake up and it's I like, love where those, is all this? Yeah. And I love those shots where when you're seeing the Babadook, it's actually just you seeing like something that is shiny and black. Uh huh. In Which could the be sh anything. Shadows, you, your yeah. brain could associate that with just like, oh, I know there's a coat over there, or yeah, is that a creature coming to inhabit Dude, my body? And I have woke up my son so many times, just fucking terrified by like a bathrobe hanging on the yeah. bathroom door. You know, of just like, oh my god, it's a figure, and so on. It yeah. captures that so, so fucking beautifully well, man. Yeah, and it's like I'm not really generally freaked out by a lot of movie monsters like i find a lot of that shit like in like insidious and so yeah, on yeah. to be just fucking corny and not interesting uh -huh. but i like that throughout most of this movie you have no idea what you're looking at you don't even really see him the first indication of him outside of the book is when she goes to the police to report that the book showed up back at her house etc yeah and she sees over in the corner 
like Babadook clothes, yeah. and then she like freaks out and leaves because yeah. she's like, "Oh, they're with him." <laughs> and then she sees it later when she's looking through the window and into her neighbor's house and totally. sees it in the background. Like, yeah, which is way fucking freaky. Yeah, actually, I think that's the clearest shot you get of the Babadook. Yeah, I think so because you probably get like a second or two of clear standstill yeah. footage of yeah. it right there. And that's what's cool too is like how much of this movie is reality how much of it is depression how much of it is insomnia why because insomnia is a huge theme throughout this movie it would make sense that the kid names her the babadook when she's depressed that like the kid is afraid of this book that he read and he associates that with her when she's depressed yeah it would make sense that the babadook doesn't exist at all as Mm -hmm. an actual entity and that that he has just applied that moniker to her in this particular state. This is you when you're like yeah. this. And she is learning to identify with that. Because and, that's the thing is like also she carries out way more actions uh-huh. than the Babadook actually yeah. does. Like she's the one that kills a dog. Yes. She's the one that assaults her son. Yeah. Like the Babadook actually doesn't do anything. I mean, it, it really doesn't. Like, it's kind of fucked up. I hadn't thought about that actually until now. I mean, she does say this: the Babadook isn't real, Samuel. He's just something you made up in your stupid little head. Yeah, and that is, I think, the clearest definition of what's going on here is yeah. that she's depressed. And he's trying to make up a story to make it make sense, so that wow, he can say, "Yeah, that, oh, th- it's not my mom, my like, it's some external yeah, force." There, there's no way that my mom is treating me this way. Wow, it's a yeah. it's a monster. It's a separate monster, and she clearly defines, "No, it's not. You're stupid," which is like <laughs> the, the definition of I'm that. actually a monster. Yeah, <laughs> he knows his mom. His mom. Probably wasn't like we're introduced wow. to her in uh, waking up from a dream of remembering like her husband dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're introduced to her in the moment of the onset of depression. Yeah. We don't know what she's like every day before that. She's maybe the best mom in the world every day sure, before that. Yeah. But on this particular day when she wakes up and her her son hugs her later she tells him to stop yeah she's just tired of it because she she's depressed she can't she can't feel that happiness she can't feel that warmth yeah so yeah like wow we we don't necessarily know that like (laughs) one could say there could be innumerable sequels to the babadook where she wakes up about a week before her husband died uh, feeling depressed mm-hmm. and goes through this cycle again every single year. Like, yeah. there's no no saying that this is the end. It's just the beginning of her being able to control it somewhat. I read a thing though where the director said that there will like absolutely never be. Any oh, good. To this. No, there shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be sequels. I'm just saying, uh, like any sequel would be the same. Right. Like right, it would right. be the same. She would just be going through that same thing. 
and probably more muted. She's learned how to deal with it better each year, etc. What do you think about the Babadook in terms of like classical monster? Oh, he's perfect. Archetypes and so he, on. He fits. He feels like he's come straight out of a silent movie, one hundred percent, and also has that um, uh, evil smile, like yeah. that perfect evil smile, where totally. it's like, see, like. There's nothing you could point out about it that's necessarily evil, but it is. Like it's a seem like could be innocent smile, but it's evil. Yeah, you know it's evil just by looking at it. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great creature design. He also kind of reminded me of Penguin from uh, Batman. Oh Returns. man, I can totally yeah. fucking see that. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> cool stuff. Oh man. Yeah. Now something that's weird though about the Babadook is that. He has kind of become an icon of yeah, the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. Yeah. It started as a joke, and then it turned into, "Hey, let's this is fun." Babadook's our guy. It's very strange to me, yeah, because yeah. apparently early on in the Netflix days, somehow or another, the Netflix like algorithm or whatever sorted this movie in the. It may have been photoshopped. Yeah, it was may it? have been photoshopped. It may have just been a joke. But yeah, somebody did post a photo of it. As, in the gay and lesbian yeah. movies category. Mm-hmm. And so since then, it's like you can see all kinds of photos of people like cosplaying as him. Yeah. Uh, in like gay pride parades and stuff like that. Yeah, and there was a... there was a, real strange. Uh, a bit of a campaign to yeah. make him and Pennywise a thing. Like yeah. as a, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely nothing in the movie centered around that, but that that is no, kind of a funny. No, well, people have goof. written, have tried because here's the cool thing about criticism that like, uh, you know, when you take your your early English classes in college, yeah. you're like, oh, criticism could be anything, but then uh, if you get into it, if you're an English major, you go, criticism can be anything, mm. and it can be me. Trying to find how, um, how the Babadook is an LGBT icon, mm-hmm. and that's real fun to try to find those moments in here right. where you can say like, okay, well he comes out of a closet, he comes out of like a right you know, little like right. freestanding closet, okay, yeah, um, and maybe he's a representation of the boy's fears of his own sexuality. Mm-hmm. And the mother is frustrated by him because he's different, meaning okay. he's gay. Right. Um, he rejects other women. The mm. only woman he seems to have any care for is his mother. All the other women he sort of pushes out of his life. Like, That's true. You, you know, you could find all those things. And a lot of people would say, well, you could do that with anything. Yeah, you could. That's what's fun about life. That's what's fun about <laughs> horror movies, especially. Yes, it's yeah. what's fun about horror movies. Is what's fun about life is you can interpret life any way you want to, hmm. and it's beautiful. So, like, um, if people say that uh, the Babadook is an LGBTQ icon, fuck, maybe yeah, he is. yeah, identify right. with it. I go for it. Yeah. What do you think about Robbie? Robbie. Okay, so Robbie is awesome to me because he is her out. Yeah. Like he's her ray of sunshine. Yeah, he, he works at the nursing home. Yeah, he works her. at the nursing home. He tells her, like, hey, you know, the, the uh, mean manager's leaving. I'll uh, pick up your work. You can just leave. And she he she is so happy 
when he's talking to her. Right. She goes off and has ice cream by herself, just like this moment of clarity and happiness. Uh, Robbie could be um, real relationship material for her. The thing I really love about Robbie is that the actor who plays Robbie also starred in a movie called Snowtown, which is another uh, Australian horror movie. Oh, yeah? Um, And let me tell you something about Snowtown. It has a kill scene in it, which I would say is attempted murder in real uh, life like it looks so real yeah that you will feel sick watching it Ooh. but it's also like this movie it's so intense but it's also based on a true story uh jesus yeah so anyway uh daniel Hinschel is his name he he in this movie doesn't have a lot to do but if you watch no. snowtown You'll see he's a really good actor. He's Damn. real intense and really can turn it on. So, like, this movie really does have just a ton of amazing actors in it. Did you ever see the short film that this is based on? I haven't. Have you? Okay, so the first time that I watched this movie uh-huh. was right when it hit Netflix with some friends. And they had seen it before, and they're like, this is the fucking scariest movie uh-huh. that they've seen in a long time. Apparently, uh, Friedkin, that directed The Exorcist, William said Friedkin that, said it was the scariest movie he'd ever seen. Yeah, before. exactly. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, shit. So we, uh, we, we got very stoned, and we watched it. And again, this was probably, I don't know, when did this hit Netflix? Probably three or four years ago? Uh, 2014, so yeah. Okay. And I really liked it. And then I think we got a little more stoned and then watched the short film. So I've heard. I really don't remember it. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. I've been told. Yeah. But I understand that it was um, quite cool. I really need to go back and watch it again. I, I might, would like to see it. Yeah. yeah. I might see it and be like, oh, I do remember this now. Uh, but yeah, apparently uh, she put out this short flick and then kind of kickstarted the whole thing based yeah. off of that, right? Yeah. It's... Um Man, it's a real heartening, disheartening situation where you see that um, this obviously extremely talented director made this short that uh, hit with you, maybe, when you were stoned. Hit with some people when you were stoned. Probably. Um, (laughs) And it took her nine years to to be able to turn it into a a feature that, that finally went to Sundance. Like, It's heartening because it's like, yeah, she she worked from the ground up and made it happen. Yeah, but it's also disheartening because like that took nine years. Wow, <laughs> like that's a long fucking time to to wait to turn a short into a feature length film. But whatever, I mean it. Uh, it almost got her Wonder Woman. I don't know if you know that Patty Jenkins no. and Jennifer Kent were both being considered for Wonder Woman. So wow, it almost got her Wonder Woman. That's amazing to go yeah. from making your a first short movie film and then making your first movie to maybe being the director of Wonder Woman. That's killer, yeah. man. That's awesome. I did not know that. And, you know, I really love that at the end of this movie that the the, the whole dynamic here is to, to celebrate life. Yeah, it while, is. While not ignoring death... Yeah. And not ignoring the bad things in your life. Uh, I mean, again, it goes back to that thing where it's like she goes down to the basement mm-hmm. and, and feeds, literally feeds the Babadook. Yeah. You know, earthworms, worm food, fucking death. Yeah. 
Um, and, and then it, it, it gets in her face. It blows her back. She's like Matrix. Yeah, like right, she's like right. Blown back by. It. And then when the kid asks, like, you know, was how it, was it? Today? How was it today? Yeah. And she was like, not not too bad. Yeah, like that wasn't. And that that's, that wasn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> what? That was pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> like him just right up on you. Yeah, but I, I love how at the end of the movie, you know, how she goes down to the basement. She fucking feeds. Mm-hmm. Her depression, the Bobby yeah. Duke, and then she goes upstairs and celebrates the her birthday. son's birthday, uh-huh. which she'd never been able to celebrate before. It's like they make it this huge thing through the movie of like her celebrating her son's birthday on the same day as like uh-huh. her niece's birthday, even though it's not actually his birthday. Yeah, because she just can't bear to celebrate the day of the death of her husband. Yeah, why? Well, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, oh, of course. But it's like I really love that at the end of the movie, it is her choosing to not ignore her depression and yeah. her problems. They still exist. Again, there is not a boom, you're cured, you beat the monster. Right. No, you'll always have it, but you learn how to deal with it, uh-huh. and you learn how to celebrate life, and you learn how to celebrate the positive. Yeah. And I, I do love that the movie ends with her celebrating her son's birthday, not grieving her husband's death day. No, she's finally uh, yeah. finally sees his magic and, and applauds. Instead of yeah. it just being a nuisance, she's finally like, oh, good, oh, good, you did that. Like, yeah. It cool. is really annoying, though. It is annoying. <laughs> it is. Bless that fucking kid's heart, dude. <laughs> I want to I just fucking punch his face. So, Ben, let's let's uh, come to the end here. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about the movie? What what are your final thoughts? I think it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I really, really do. Like, I mean, easily one of the best, you know, directorial debuts in horror ever, without a doubt. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I can't wait to see what else she does. Um, although I understand she's not really tied herself to being a genre director that just yeah no that's that's good too I mean horror is a good place to start yeah it really is because it's the most defined genre I yeah think. it's it's the one that's easiest to be like okay that's the route I'm gonna go uh, I'll do my thing with it right yeah um, I love it I, I love the whole tapping into the you know, children's books that freaked us out. Thing. Yeah. I think that that's amazing. Yeah, we all... Well, at least a certain generation has a, a connection with that. Yeah. I love the the element of dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. And I think that even depending on your personal life experiences, it's like, yeah, this might just be directly about dealing with depression. It also might be about postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, or from, just dealing with a death. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I really, really love that element of it very much. I love the aesthetic. I mm. love that so much of the effects are practical. Yeah. I'm sure there's some CGI. They did, yeah, she she tried to do everything in camera, but they did some post-production on the, I mean, obviously the the uh, Babadook is, is all uh, stop motion. Right. So that's, that's post-production, but they did some like computer work on it yeah. to make it look smoother. I love that. The soundtrack, dude, the soundtrack is fucking phenomenal. Yes. The soundtrack of the movie is sick. It's and it's really so, good. like, subliminal and weird. It's right under there. Like, right yeah. under Like, you never are really listening directly to no. it. But, but if you, you notice lo- when it goes away. You notice when it goes away, yeah. Yeah, dude. And it's like, it'll be like when the tension breaks, where it's uh-huh. like, she snaps back to reality or whatever, and you're like, 
oh god it's quiet Mm -hmm. and you go was there noise happening what was it Uh was it a song was it soundtrack Uh like well, that's the thing is the noise rises yeah. as she gets more Babadook-like. It yeah. just continues to rise. Like, the more Babadook she is, the more the noise is in the background. And, and that's the thing about this movie, too, that I think that a lot of people misunderstand is, like, it's not a possession movie. No. Like, I see... Well, even, like, the... Uh, like, I love watching those Cinema Sins fucking YouTube videos yeah, yeah. and stuff. They're real about, fun. You know, I mean, they, they get nitpicky a lot. Yeah, like, everything wrong with whatever in yeah. 15 minutes or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I think they kind of hit this a little bit too hard because it's not a it's not a possession movie at no, all. No, it's not. It's um, about a child coming up with a name for his mother's depression. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, man. So, I think it's incredible, man. Beautiful looking. Mm-hmm. Um, again, fantastic directorial debut. I think on a scale of ten, I'm 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 sitting at about an eight. On this okay, scene. I think it's about an eight. I'll watch it many more times and enjoy yeah. it. Um. This movie is an emotional experience for me. It's um, I every time I've seen it, I've cried several times. Yeah, just throughout. Yeah. Um, it it hits me like it. It really just has so much resonance with my own experience growing up, and sure. with my own experience with people who have depression or are going through these real tough times. Um, I, I there's nothing negative to it for me. I can't I, think of much. I, I mean, it's not like fun. I mean, that kid. Is oh, it's not fun. Irritating. But that's the shit. thing is, it's not meant to be fun at no. any point. And, and that's, uh, I mean, you you have to know that going into the Babadook. Like, a lot of people watch horror movies for escape. They watch horror movies for fun. Like, yeah. horror movies are fun. Yeah, to me, yeah. This one's not fun. No, it's not. It's not gonna tickle that itch. But uh, some of us have different definitions of fun. Yeah, and for me, it's real fun to see the things that I would say are taboo to talk about. I I think like being depressed and having to deal with a child is taboo to talk about. People just yeah, want to say much. to women like, "We'll just deal with it." And I think that's also kind of this this myth about about that. And again, you know, I cannot speak for women, and I cannot speak for parents, as mm, no, I've never I, been either. I've no, nope, never at one point. <laughs> but I, I do feel like there is this false expectation that like, oh, being being a mother is a gift, and it's always sunshine, and, and that's why you don't get paid for and, it, and we treat you like shit about it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this movie deals with real parenting issues and especially yeah. single parenting issues yeah and especially such a fucking, it, it, it opens it up to where it's like yeah sometimes you do fucking hate your kids yeah and that's one of those things that again you never see covered yeah in any fucking romantic comedy or anything like that i feel like there is this expectation that's just like you love oh, you'll you'll love them as soon as they yeah you it's know. a dream within a dream yeah oh boy so I, I I love the honesty with which yeah it's very honest yeah very and uh, S E Davis is amazing and Phenomenal. like uh, I seriously throughout this movie just I I think he deserved more. Um, recognition, her performance in this movie. It yeah, got recognition. She won awards. Oh, but like in Australia, and I mean, that's not, I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm just saying that, that she didn't get the international recognition I think she should have gotten. Right. She's amazing in this. Yeah. Um, for me, this movie's a, a solid nine. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I agree. 
and I will continue watching this movie and continue telling people to, to watch this movie. I know that people don't like this movie. There are a number of people that yeah, have expressed to me that again, just don't like it's it. It's not a fun watch. Like, it's not. That, that kid is the most stressful fucking character, yeah. I think, in movie history. He's real hard to watch, and he's real hard to care about. Yeah. Um, but he, he's also important. I think it's important yeah. to see that, like, uh, you know, you uh, you have a kid who's raised in grief. Yeah. He's not going to be well-adjusted. Right. <laughs> That's just it. Anyway, so... Yeah, I think this is this is a nine, uh, and 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 I love this movie. Yeah, same man. Well, what are we gonna be talking about on the show next week, Steve? Man, next week we're gonna talk about a little movie that you probably have a lot more experience with than me. <laughs> it's called Green Room, uh, and this is a movie that, especially if you play music in a band, yeah, uh, I think is very important to yeah. watch. It is, uh, yeah, pretty fucked up. And, pretty and, grimy, pretty grungy. And it's Anton Yelkin's last performance, I believe. Oh, man, yeah. is it? Real sad, because that dude was good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Charlie Bartlett's so fucking And good. you get Patrick Stewart. We finally get to do something with Captain dude. Picard in it. And he's fucking awesome. In he's this. amazing. Oh, he's amazing in everything. It's a really cool flick. I hope you guys enjoy watching Green Room. And watch it before our episode, because as always, it'll be very, very spoiler Oh, and uh, secondarily... We're going to have a vote this week. Oh, yes. Yeah. For the movie coming after Green Room. Yeah. It's we're about gonna, time to do a wild card. Yeah. We're going to do a vote. We're going to have you guys vote on our wild card. So uh, uh, check out our Facebook group. Yeah. For um, uh, probably five to eight movies yeah. to vote from for our our next wild card that'll come after Green Room. Yeah. We want to hear your all's opinions. Now, you guys can follow me on the Instagram at Ben Eller Guitars. Where can they find you, Steve? Uh, at Steven Spratling. It's Steven with a V, the only way to spell it. You can also uh, email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com mm-hmm. or find us at deadlovelypod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Our Instagram and our Facebook groups and stuff, I really love interacting are, with y'all. Things have been really, fun. really hot lately. So thank you guys for interacting with us and providing good content on those things please rate and review our podcast on itunes helps us a fuck ton Mm -hmm. they send us those itunes bucks yeah yeah we get like 36 tokens uh-huh. Uh, right now, we're buying all those little two-piece foam airplanes that oh, you got at yeah, Chuck E. Cheese's. Oh, yeah, man, those are the best. But suddenly, yeah. I'm starting to think we might be able to get one of those switchblade combs. Dude, oh, my like, God. T- like oh. Tom Savini's character in Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> so please rate interview on iTunes. Well, we'll be seeing you guys next week talking about Old Green Room. Be sure to vote on the Facebook page about what the next wildcard event will be. And we'll be seeing you guys in about a week or so. You guys have been just fucking fantastic. We have been dead and or lovely. I love you, Delilah. Delilah.